Welcome to my world. I'm yours, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, June 7th. That means it's time for Destination Health. I've got Lauren here with me. We have no guests today. We, uh, I, I just thought of a theme about 30 seconds ago, so I'm going to talk about that. But uh, it's really all about you today and what you want to talk about. Anything health-related works, including food and cooking and food preservation and fermenting and canning and all that other stuff that goes around food and health. We can talk about stress, whatever's on your mind. So pick up the phone and join us. Lines are open 855-950-3835. Lauren, good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Happy Destination Health Day. So I just thought of, I, I was just going to come on and you and I were just going to start talking until the phones rang. Uh, but I thought of a theme. So I'm going to go with this oh, today. I, I may right. have an original thought. Imagine that. I, I really, Those are hard to come by these days. I know. I haven't <laughs> really seen this talked about. The first part we've talked about a little bit and I've seen the second part. I, I'm going to call this something I've done in the past, lessons from the garden. This this just stuff I think about when I'm out in the garden. I'm spending a lot of time out in the garden right now and the garden is incredible. <laughs> I mean, I, I just can't even oh. get over how much is growing right now and how much I have in the ground and how much I'm already harvesting. Um, onions are about I to hit, uh, and I'll bet I've got 300 onion plants to harvest. Uh, I just cut all the garlic scapes, and here's the beauty. Last year, I struggled with garlic and onions. Neither one of them did very good. It, mostly my fault, not getting them in on time, not taking care of them the way I should have. I was just too busy all the time last year. This year, I was on top mm -hmm. of it. So garlic and onions get planted in the fall. Uh, I mulched them heavy. I fed them a couple times throughout the winter. I hadn't done that before. Growing like crazy, but the garlic scapes. So have you ever had garlic scapes? I think so. Are the garlic scapes the part of the, the green part that grows yes. up out of the garlic? Yeah. yeah. Yes. They, I use those often, actually. Yeah, they even call it green garlic. And that's kind of exactly what it tastes like. It tastes like a really mild green garlic. So one of the things mm -hmm. I'd like to do, I'll probably do it today. Um, I take them and make a pesto out of them. So it just, just use any traditional pesto recipe, but use the green garlic in place of the basil and the garlic. Wow. I yeah. love that idea. But just, you know, use a good olive oil, some Parmesan cheese, some pine nuts, just a good traditional pesto, but replace the basil and the garlic with green garlic and then ferment it. So I add a little bit of extra salt. So it's a little on the salty side. And after I blend it, cause pesto is kind of like a paste almost, uh, I just set it on the counter for a week or so and then throw it in the refrigerator and it'll last a year. You can take like a tablespoon out of there and put it in dishes or cook with it, put it into salads. That's a great way to use the scapes and, and have them, you know, for an extended period of time. Usually you harvest them, you cook with them, they don't last very long and then they're gone and they only show up once a year. But the only place you're ever going to find them is either in your own garden or at the farmer's markets. I've never seen them in a store anywhere. So uh, where was I going? Oh, so this year, last year, 
you know, I, a couple of scapes would pop out and I wait until they just curl around and then I cut them. I cut them pretty early because the longer you let that scape grow, the less time the bulb is going to have to grow. So the reason we cut the scape is we don't want it to flower because all the energy of the plant will go to that flower. We want the energy to go to the bulb. So you cut the scape uh -huh. to stop it from flowering. A lot of people will let their scapes go till it almost starts to, it, there is a little flower bulb at the end. And if it just starts to open, then they'll cut it. And the reasoning is they get more scape. They get bigger and longer and you get more of those. I, I'm okay with just getting enough to make some pesto for the year and being done. I want that energy to go to the bulb. Last year, I'd get a couple, they'd come out, I'd cut them. Three or four days later, I'd get a couple more. It took me almost like three weeks for all of them to come out. This time I harvested 90% of the scapes in 48 hours and the other, the rest of them the next day. That's a good sign that the plants are nice, healthy and consistent. And so I'll be able to harvest the garlic all at the same time. That'll be nice. Here, here's the, the lesson. His calls are starting to pile up, but I do wanna get this out there probably be talking about this more. So we've talked when we've had people like Joel Salatin on and uh, Forrest Pritchard and uh, David Steltzer and, you know, people that are really into organic and regenerative farming. And we've compared the difference. So here's what happens in farming. That's what happens when I used to try to do my garden the way everybody says to do it. You know, you put some plants in the ground, you water them, you watch them. They start to turn a little yellow. They're not really growing all that well. So you look things up. Oh, well, it needs nutrients. Oh, okay, I'll put some fertilizer on it. So you just put fertilizer. You know, it says it's for vegetables. I throw that on there. Then all of a sudden you notice there's a bunch of bugs on there and they're eating things. So you go look it up and, okay, for this bug, use this chemical. For So you're putting a bunch of chemicals on to get rid of the bugs. Then you start to notice there's a lot of weeds growing and you're constantly weeding. So let's put some herbicide on this because the weeds are just taking over. Uh, then you might notice you've got some fungal uh, diseases. There's a lot of powdery mildew on cucumbers and uh, squash and vine type mm -hmm. stuff. So then you spray something, another chemical to get rid of the powdery mildew. And it's just a constant onslaught of chemicals on these plants. And that's how mm -hmm. conventional or, you know, chemical farming works. The problem is if we don't fix the soil, if we don't keep the soil really, really healthy, then we need all these chemicals to grow the plants. The soil doesn't have nutrients. It doesn't have enough um, organic material. It's not holding water and nutrients. So we just keep dumping fertilizer on it the fertilizer makes the soil even worse because it's all chemicals. So now the plants are weak. They don't have a, they might look beautiful. These plants can look awesome. It's like the produce in the store. It looks amazing. It's all uniform and it's big and it, but it's not healthy. And that's the thing with these plants. They can look healthy, but they're not. And that's why you have to keep putting all these chemicals on there. It, does this sound familiar? If you eat the standard oh, American yeah. diet, your immune system is shot and you catch everything that comes down the pike and you've got an autoimmune condition and digestive problems. And then what do we have to do? We start, we have to start using a lot of chemicals, right? Drugs. Yeah. And it's so, a vicious circle. Oh, 
It is. That's exactly how it spirals, right out of control. So we've talked about this in the past, and the, the solution is you focus on the soil, not the plants. You build good, healthy, deep soil. You know, the other thing that just started a couple days ago that I love, I have got a fungi explosion in the garden. I've got all kinds of crazy mushrooms coming up everywhere. That's a really good sign. And I, I have so much wildlife. Uh, I've got a couple of blue jays that live in the garden. They're there almost all day long. The When I use straw and hay and anything I can get in a bale, um, a lot of it has seeds in it. I think I have wheat growing in my garden every now and then. Uh, it comes from whatever bale of what I happen to get that time. So the jays are in there eating all the seeds. They love that, which is fine. I'd rather have them eat it than otherwise it'll germinate and I'll have to pull a weed. So I've got hummingbirds all over. I've got um, butterflies living in the garden this year. I've got pollinators everywhere. And what a difference. Almost every flower that sets gets germinated and turns into fruit. I just, I've never had a year like this before. So I think all these years of building good soil, putting in the habitat for the the pollinators, planting all the flowers and the wildflowers, it just... It's just incredible to sit in the garden and watch all the activity now. Mm-hmm. That's so, pretty neat. Yeah, it really is. So when you build that soil and it's so healthy and you have the fungi and the, and the bacteria in there because we're not killing it with all the chemicals. So here's part of the problem with all those chemical fertilizers. Why do they cause so many problems? They kill all the bacteria, just like us. We eat the wrong food. We take all kinds of antibiotics or we, we hyper sanitize everything and we kill the bacteria. And then we wonder why things don't work right. This The planet wouldn't exist without bacteria. Let's just start there. Bacteria run everything on this planet. It's kind of bizarre. So once you get that soil nice and healthy, all of a sudden the bugs aren't a problem anymore. There are a couple things, you know, slugs seem to be an issue sometimes even on really healthy plants, but I figured out how to control the slugs. Um, any other bugs, I bring in some insects. I've got ladybugs and praying mantis and um, wasps. And so the bugs aren't a problem anymore. I use really heavy mulching and compost. Once the plants kind of get established, then I go back and put down straw or hay or, or, um, bark or whatever it might be really mulch heavy. That keeps the weeds down. It keeps the soil nice and moist. I don't have to weed hardly. I don't have to water as much. Once you get the, the environment right, it's a lot less work. I spend much more time now like planting or planning or pruning, you know, good productive maintenance kind of stuff, not chasing problems all the time. Yeah, exactly. Letting nature play its course. Yeah, which is, isn't that kind of how our body is? You know, when we're eating yeah. the wrong food and we're taking all the drugs, it's constant. You got to go to the doctor. You got to make an appointment. You got to get this tested. This drug isn't working anymore. Okay, let's add this drug now. It's the same thing. And once you get your environment healthy in your body, all that crap goes away. Mm-hmm. So here's my new lesson from the garden. We've talked about the immune system and how similar plants are to humans. We've just been describing 
here's something else I realized, and this is something I really haven't seen anywhere else. I'm wondering if it's an original thought. Um, plants have a stress system, just like we do. So yeah. when, when we get stressed, we have a certain response to, and stress is really just the fight or flight response. That's what stress is in a human or an animal. It's really fight or flight. Something is telling our brain and our nervous system that we're in danger of dying. Now, the problem is modern life has really rewired our stress system in a horrible way. Just because you're sitting in traffic and you're 15 minutes late for a meeting doesn't mean you're going to die. But for some reason, our body thinks that that it is. And we go into that fight or flight mode. And the problem with modern society is we're in this mode all the time. And it, it, then it starts to destroy our immune system and we start to have other problems. So we got to get the diet and the environment right. And then we have to manage stress properly. That's the whole stress protocol. We need to use the proper stress, use stress, we call it, so that we build our stress muscle. Well, plants are exactly the same. They just have a very different stress response because they can't flee or fight, can they? No. So what do they do? They start releasing chemical defenses. That's the reason we have to be careful about eating plants. Now, the more stressed the plant is throughout its life, guess what you end up with? A lot more stress chemicals. Phytates yeah. and lectins and oxalates. And under chemical farming, the plant is stressed its entire life. Maybe that's why we have so many problems eating plants. Maybe if we ate more regenerative uh, no. organic plants, we wouldn't have. Now, here's the other thing that here. So if a plant can't flee or fight and it tries to just release these chemicals, it does something else, though. So. You know, when you go to buy some plants right now, it's a little late in the season. If you go down to the nursery or Home Depot, you've got little tomato plants in the containers and they're growing tomatoes, right? They're flowering and growing tomatoes. And yeah. people are excited. Oh, look, I get a bonus. I No, why is it doing that? It's not time for that thing to be producing tomatoes yet. Do you know why it's doing it? I don't guess stress. It, it thinks it's going to die. So what does it do? Exactly. It tries to reproduce early. It doesn't want to die. And if it's going to die, it wants to make sure it has offspring. So when you see yep. these, there are a couple exceptions. Pepper plants can start to produce peppers pretty early, even in containers. And that's different. That, that's a natural. If you would have put that plant in the ground and it would have been totally healthy, it still would have started producing fruit at that time. But Plants that shouldn't be producing fruit yet and they start to flower and produce fruit, that's a sign that it's stressed and that's its stress response. Mm -hmm. It can't run away, can't fight back. It's going to release some chemicals to try to protect itself from bugs, and but it's also going to try to reproduce and that's a, a sign that this plant's under stress. And I just have a feel a hypothesis, I would have to go prove this, but I have a feeling that the more stressed these plants are, the more stress chemicals they release their whole life, and then that plant is worse for us. Does that make sense? Mm, that totally makes sense. It absolutely does. We've just never seen it's that interesting anymore. because I hadn't thought of it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> 
it's something I hadn't thought about, but it makes absolute sense. Yeah. So now as soon as I, and, and you can have the same thing in the ground in a very healthy garden. I just transplanted and put a like 70 tomato plants in the ground over the weekend and a handful of them started to flower within a day or so. It, that's a stress response that, you know, replanting those and disturbing the roots. And and it was a really hot day. I, it, I should have waited another day or two, but I thought it'll be all right. And, and it was, it'll be fine. But I could see the stress response. They immediately tried to flower. Mm-hmm. So you cut the flowers wow. off. You cut those stems off because you don't want energy going to the flower of the plant. And then you figure out why it's stressed and you get it healthy again. And then it shouldn't flower until it's time. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Lessons from the garden. Lessons from the garden. All right. What do you say we go to some phone calls? Let's do it. All right. Let's get started in Maui. Ron, welcome. Hey, Kevin. Uh, I, I talked to Angie. I gave her a whole bunch of other information. I want to stay focused on this one thing. I called you last week about how I uh, went did the hernia operation down there, uh, in Vegas, and I uh, I wanted to get it done with the insurance paying for it, but I didn't want anything extra. Right. Okay, so uh, the deal is, you get up and walk, and you got to have a driver outside to pick you up when you get wheeled out. And the guy, that the surgeon, has to have the driver's phone number because he calls them about three times to tell them how everything's going. <clears throat> so when I woke up, I had my recovery room nurse there, and she's like a nice nice young Vegas girl and she's going to help me all the way get out. Right. She wants me to get out of there. So while I'm doing all the getting the grippy socks on, getting dressed, (laughs) I go, I said, um, I have a ticket to go see Ringo tonight over at the Venetian. And, and she goes, Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't even realize Rango was here. I said, yeah, he's doing four nights over there at the Venetian. And my ticket just happened to be tonight. And uh, and so I'm all ready to walk out of there or all ready to get in the wheelchair. And she goes, if you go see Rango tonight, your balls are going to swell up the size of basketball. <laughs> and I said... Well, that settles it. I'm not going to see Ringo. <laughs> there you yeah. Nothing's worth that. Okay, yeah. So, so um, hey, everything's good. I did it. You know, I, I, uh, I got that red of a hernia that I had for three years since I retired. And I just wanted to make sure I got rid of, the, of it the right way and the cheap way, and I did it. There you go. And, and while I was here, the uh, while I was here on Maui, the the uh, surgical place called me and said they wanted to make a follow up appointment, and I'm going to do that when I get back. But then it'll be all over. Got it. Good. Done. Hey. So I just had to tell you that. 
Oh, and I, and I will, you know, you asked me if I'd play my mandolin on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'll come up there and play it live on video because I think it would make uh, you standing up. Are you standing on your balance board today? I'm not on it today. Um, I, we're, oh, okay. I need well, to, we're, uh, we're kind of redesigning the studio. So the studio is a little bit of a mess right hey. now. And I, I've got, I'm standing yeah. on a rug that's already on carpet and my balance board doesn't work very good like that. It needs a harder surface. So not right now. Yeah. 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 I, well, it would make great video. You, you talking to me standing on the balance I, board while I'm playing the mandolin. I have a better like, idea. Hey, like I, Kevin. I, I want you okay. to play. Yeah, I do want you to come, and we're going to do this live, and we'll film it. But I want you to play the mandolin out in the garden. Oh, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll do that yeah. five hours a day. How about that? <laughs> five, you, I'll play I, five hours a day. I bet my plants will love it. I talk to them every morning. You know, uh, I, 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 bet, okay. I, I, I say the same <laughs> thing to my plants every morning that I say to the audience every morning. Good morning, you beautiful bunch of fuckers. I should probably explain <laughs> that. There, there are probably a lot of people that, that are wondering, what, what, what yeah, did you just yeah. call us? Um, I, I heard that this morning. I heard you say that this morning, and I I, I forgot all about it, but that goes way, way, way back. Way back, way, way. I, I know, that. somebody somebody oh, brought no, it up I, about a month ago, and I thought, why, why don't we use that? I really like that, so... Um, it's kind of funny though, because now I've been talking about, you know, AI, I'm not going to talk about AI. Don't anybody change the channel or panic when I'm, I'm just going to explain <laughs> something. Um, AI is now transcribing almost everything I do. And the transcription I've talked about is really? crazy accurate. Even so I have it transcribing entire shows and I've tried that in the past without AI, with just the typical, you know, voice recording transcription we've had in the past. It's about 85, 90% accurate with my voice because I've trained it on my voice and I work to speak really clearly and enunciate properly. And But it would be about 20% accurate when you would get somebody with a strong Southern accent or any kind of, you know, accent. Horrible at that. So it wasn't even worth trying to transcribe our shows. And there's a lot of good reasons to transcribe shows. And it was outrageously expensive. Oh, yeah. You had to pay by the minute and you got this these horrible results and it was expensive. So I played around with it a couple of times and then just dropped it. Now with AI, it's about 99% accurate for everybody's voice. Doesn't matter. Accents, background noise, nothing. Except the one thing it keeps getting wrong is when I say Fockers, it writes exactly what you think I just said. <laughs> it was kind of funny yesterday because Lisa was walking by my computer and I had a transcription up on the screen that I was working on and that word like jumped off the screen and she said, did you say that? And I said, no, I said Fockers, but my AI is, I'm going to train it so it, it gets that. But so for the people who have been wondering what that's all about, friends of Kevin Rutherford, F-O-K-R, one of our listeners uh, brought that to us a long time ago. And uh, I just thought it was a, a good thing to bring back. 
Yeah, it definitely is. Hey, you know when I called in, I I heard the tail end of uh, of the uh, Power Hour, and I heard Jackie on there. And it's like I remember when Jackie used to call in. Well, you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So Jackie, but, um, just for. You know, everybody who's wondering, Jackie has got an awesome setup now. She, for most, most people would consider her retired or at least semi-retired. Um, she has an awesome run dedicated. She has glass. She's been doing it for a while. Windows. She works every other week and she's loving it. Yeah. She's still very, very profitable and she's loving life. And, uh, she's just got an awesome setup. Kevin, trucking is the best lifestyle. All, all you have to do is have somebody stow you, and and you're doing. I mean, I could convert truckers all day long if they knew how good it was. I I and agree. It, it, I agree. <laughs> I, I I'm a musician, and I say I always say. It's the best day job I ever had. I had it for 20 years. You know, one of the things I've talked about, and if I had more time, this would be another project. I would go seek out young, mid-20s, mid-to-late-20s couples that really didn't kind of know where they were going in life. You know, they're just taking whatever jobs, which is very common. And and I would show them, look... if you're not planning on kids for the next couple of years, and if I were you, I would put it off for a couple of years. Let me show you how the two of you could go buy a truck, cut your ex- your living expenses to almost zero. You're going to live in this truck. You're going to work hard for a couple of years. You're going to run hard. You're going to do 250,000 miles a year, whatever we can squeeze in. But you're also going to have a lot of fun. You're going to take week a week off at a time wherever you want in the country. And it's going to cost you almost nothing to go see all these really cool places. Your living expenses are going to be almost zero. And in three years, we could save up enough to start funding your retirement account to get you a down payment on a house. And you could decide to keep trucking if you want, or you could go on to some other career. I I, I think there is such an opportunity to, to be able to do that. And it, it's almost unknown. I, I know it, it, it. You know, when I say it's the best day job I ever had, I I knew this before I started trucking, because okay, I, when I started driving a when I got my CDL, I didn't even have a driver's license. I lived on Maui and rode a bicycle everywhere, <laughs> and I, I went back to the mainland. I, I went back to the mainland. I I went to Reno, and. Uh, Got the CDL, did the trend, worked for this back in 2000, did the uh, uh, England training guy, you know, two weeks or whatever it was. And then I, I spent the rest of my time alone out on the road uh, playing my mandolin. Awesome. And yeah. uh, I know, I know it. it and when I when guys would tell me, "Well, you got to sit in a loading dock for three hours," blah blah blah, I'd be thinking, 
You mean I could sit there undisturbed for three hours and play my mandolin? What a fucking job. I know. I know. You know, almost even the bad stuff about trucking, like you were just talking about, you get some place, you got to sit and wait. I know I loved reading. So for me, it's just another way to get some reading. Oh, yeah. in. It, oh, it, yeah. it just wasn't that big yeah. of a deal for me to wait somewhere. Uh, it, there, there, this, yeah. like you just said, if you do it right, this can be an awesome job. It's one of the most flexible jobs I've ever seen. Really. You can work whenever you yeah. want. You work at three o'clock in the morning. You can work at three o'clock in the afternoon. You can work weekends if you want and take two days off during the week. I, I, there aren't many, jobs or small businesses if you buy your own truck that are that flexible and you can work in any part of the country you want and you can work in one part of the country this week and go someplace else next week or you can say you know what i hate the winter i'm not going north of i-40 during the winter months i it's just so flexible and yet very few people that take advantage of that flexibility and set things up in a way that would make them happy they just go out and start working, and they don't have a plan. Yeah, but people do that all the time with everything. They got to be shown the way. You know, just so, a few little things to show them the way. Hey, you weren't you weren't around when I first started, but I kind of you know. I, the reason I stayed healthy all my life is because I was a musician. It literally, I, I believe that, that, and that's why I believe it. That because that. It, you, your your fingers have to work. I know so many guys that lost it because of arthritis. My. When you when you play live music, you got to look good. Hey, hey I have a question for you. Do you <laughs> what? Do, okay. Do you have a Garmin watch? Hey, Kevin, I don't do any technology. I don't even. Good. And you should stay that way. Um, Here's what I'd be interested (laughs) in. And and I'm pretty sure I already know the answer. The Garmin watch has the ability to measure instant stress. One of the things that's really helped me figure out why people are so stressed and how to fix it and all that. I've talked about it a lot. My guess is when you're playing your instrument, your stress level drops to almost zero. Kevin, Kevin, you can put that Garmin watch on me and I'll play in your garden for five hours a day I, I, and you can measure all you want. I, 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 have a feeling, <laughs> I have a feeling if you were playing your mandolin in my garden on a nice, beautiful day like we have here all summer long, that we might get a warning from the watch and it might say something like, you might want to check, he might be dead. <laughs> Well, hey, hey, we'll find out. I, uh, you know, I, I, it's in my plan. There you go. I, I want to do two. I want to do two hours Chinatown band, two hours no breaks of live music up there somewhere. And just, and and there's no there's no money involved in any of this because I don't need money. I was a truck driver for 20 years i don't need money that's that's exactly right hey ron ron i love it let's uh, let's continue this but i gotta move along calls are starting to pile up on me um great stuff let's go to south carolina terrence welcome to the program what's up kev what's up lauren uh i got a quick thing on the 
uh, audio miracle, and then I got I got questions about garden. Sure. So I remember I telling my fiance I had the high blood pressure, ER nurse for twenty something years, and so she's been regimented for three weeks. It's down to one twenty over eighty two. Really? Congratulations! That yeah. Is awesome. So now. So now, now, let me now. I got all the friends. I, I already know the answer, I believe, to this question, but I think I we I want to get this out there. Um, I tell people all the time when they call, if you're not going to eat the way we think you should eat, don't take my supplements. Don't buy them. I don't want to sell them to you. I don't think they're going to do you any good. There are some exceptions to that, but I'm still always going to say that. Always. I don't want to really, I personally don't want to work with people who are going to try to eat the standard American diet and then supplement their way out of it. But if people want to do that, they can. Um, this is that case, isn't it? She really hasn't changed the way she eats, has she? No, we. I mean, like I said, we, we, uh, we, well, I eat cleaner than she does. Right. That's what I thought. So she'll eat bread. She'll eat bread. Yeah, yeah. But right. again, she's st- it's still... But it did for me because I, I, like I said, the last, the year before last, I had a, two, a one-year card. It freaked me out. I was like, you know, I never, I never had a one-year card. I always got two-year. And then like the next, I started the Cardio Miracle, and I'm like, all right, this, you know, I, I, I wasn't skeptical at first, but I was like, man, I just I hope this is what it is. It's going to work, and it worked. And I came on radio and preached about it. Yeah. But now to see someone like was hard to to, to have, have it happening, and I know, and I've heard everybody that's called in and said it. And this is the reason why I'm calling small. It's the people that may be new to listening or heard about it, and and it, it works. The stuff I don't know. There's no uh, other way to put it. The I, stuff I am works. Yeah, I, I'm at that place now where I'm spending so much time outside in the garden, and I absolutely love it. I, I was out there for probably two hours this morning working. It, some mornings I just go have my coffee and sit in the garden and relax and walk around and talk to my plants. and But today I was working. I, I've got a lot going on in the garden right now. I'm starting to, to um, prepare my midsummer vegetables. So I'm starting them in the grow house because there's no room to start them out in the garden. But I want to get a head start on it. Like beans, green beans, pinto beans, that kind of stuff. I don't plant till like mid-July because I've got to wait for the onions and the garlic to come out to make room and the cabbage should be out not long after that and then the peas. So I've lots of room for beans this year, but I'm getting a head start. So I'm out there planting them. I was doing that this morning, um, already transferring them to new cups. So I'm very, very active at 20,000 steps a day on the weekends, 15,000 steps a day during the week. So I am having two cardio miracles every day consistently now. And it's, it, it's like, I don't want to go a day without it. It's one of those things that, you know, about noon or one o'clock, if I haven't had one yet, I start craving it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. The other thing too, Kevin, is I've been, I, I got that copper and the silver too. And my God, I, they're doing, cause they're doing like rent. I put new floors in the house through the whole house. I got a remodel in the bathroom. It's been, it's been a shit show. There's no other way to put it. Yeah. You know, I got people coming in and out of the house, dust all over the place. Just, just, you know, I just, just went in the last, I wanted to be over with. Yeah. But I'm not getting sleep. I'm getting, I'm getting maybe four hours of sleep. If that, and my body battery's low, but 
I'm not with that copper and that silver. And I'm not. I don't feel. It's. I don't feel exhausted. It's pretty incredible. I, um, the other product that I am absolutely blown away by is the silver first aid gel. That stuff uh, yeah, is incredible. Uh, Lisa had, yep. Lisa just really scraped up her shin bad. Oh, you look at it, it just looks painful. Um, it, one of those where you take off like five layers of skin over a really big area. Uh, and, and lower limbs, that's one of the hardest places to heal, especially you see people as they get older, they're, they, you know, they don't heal down at the bottom of their legs very well. Um, Lisa heals well anyway because her immune system is nice and strong. But she put the silver gel on it. I, I am shocked. I've never seen anything like that heal so fast. Yeah, because wow. I, I did mine. But oh, go ahead. No, I'm just. That, I think that's great. I've been using the one for my dog on his hot spots, and it seems to work for sure. Yeah, but I haven't used it on myself. Yeah, because I did it. Like I said, I met, like when I first got it, I have a you know I run a dump trailer and it's a frameless. And I got to get out in the back to open my tailgate. My tailgate swings up in the air because it's steel. And I was in a spot, and I, and I used a different hand. I used, used my right hand to open up the, the lift gate. Well, I stuck my left hand in, and when I pulled it out, there's a piece of metal on it, and I cut it. I mean, it, it, I looked down. I'm bleeding like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. And it was deep. Yeah. So, I, so I'm like, all right. I, I had stuff in the truck. I cleaned it up. I put a bandage on it. And I went home, and I'm like, I'll just put some of that on there. And it's amazing. The, the, the way the scab starts to form and in 24 I hours, on a, it, it's yes. You, yes. you see results in 24 hours. Yeah. It, it, it never got like red and inflamed at all. The scab formed really quickly. Yeah. And I, I'm just blown away by what a difference it makes in wound healing. I, I, yeah. I, I'm pissed because I don't know if you remember that time I call, I told you I burned my leg on my motorcycle. Yeah, and I'm like, they ask if you had anything. You said, "Well, we're in the middle of something, and you didn't, you didn't, you know, didn't want to release because you right. didn't have it." And I'm, I'm like, and my fiance brought me some silver dine home. You know, it's like a stuff they use for third degree burns in hospitals and stuff like that. And that was great. It, it and that helped a lot. But I just wish I would have had this stuff because the soothingness of it. Oh is, yeah. I just. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> All right, so like I said, I know I sound like I'm, I'm, I work for you to, to sell stuff, but <laughs> I just want other people to be able to, like I said, the stuff that's in there, man, you know, it works. Otherwise, it obviously wouldn't be in there. Right. So now right. my thing is once I get all this crap done in my house, I'm going to start my garden. Now, I live in, in, in South Carolina or in a development, I, you know, the, the houses are fairly close. So I'm just going to put a bunch of planter beds in the back. Yeah. Now, my question is when I go to start it with the soil – I know you said you shouldn't, you know, you could put anything. You're going to get some fire chuck noise here. Um, what should I do? Should I just, buy, like, buy a con I, I don't want to get a dump truck full of dirt because I'm probably going to get that many plants back there. I just don't. Should I just buy bag compost, stuff like that, and then, so, and then build it myself? You know what I mean? So here's what I would do. I would, once you, I would plan and build out your garden first. So once that's, gonna, yep. once that's done and as you're doing it, you can calculate the square feet or cubic feet, I mean, or yep. cubic yards of how much soil you need. Right. And I would consider truckloads. It's much, much okay. cheaper. Now, cheaper, it, right. you may calculate out and go, uh, you know, I don't need that much dirt. So there, there may be, it may be better to just buy bags. 
So it really just depends. It's, it's really a cost and convenience okay. thing. Bags are actually more convenient because I can just right, yeah. pick, pick up a bag and carry it anywhere I want. If I have a big, and I almost always get all of my stuff delivered by truckload, my compost, my mulch, uh, my soil, virtually everything, because I use a lot of it. So I, but then you've you got. See, a, I'm in a kind of a confined spot. Right. Yeah. You've got to shovel it That's into a mean. wheelbarrow. Then you got to move the wheelbarrow over to where you want it. Then you got to shovel it again. So it, it's more work. But I use so much that I would have to, if I wanted. Yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. If I wanted bags, I'd have to have them delivered <laughs> on pallets. It pallets, would, yeah. <laughs> which, I, I did that once. I had a whole pallet of mulch delivered. And it wasn't a bad way to go. Um, so either way, also, depending yeah, see, I got on a how, pickup, so I can sit in there. Depending on how deep your beds are, you don't need to fill the entire bed with soil. So I have, okay, I have beds that are maybe thirty-six inches tall, and I have beds that are probably close, maybe twenty-four, and then maybe thirty-six are my taller beds. On the taller beds, I put a bunch of stuff in the bottom rocks we have big rocks all over the place here so i filled them up the bottom up with okay. rocks um limbs tree limbs if you're doing any trimming cut them up into small pieces put that all in the bottom that will save you won't need a lot of soil or you won't need as much soil and you still will have plenty right. for growing anything you want to grow i mean give yourself maybe 20 inches of soil no less than that but okay. you, you could fill in with, cool. like I said, rocks, branches, leaves, you know. And then obviously anything that settles, I mean, the, the, it, the odd stuff is going to decompose exactly. a little bit. And then it's just a matter of just putting more soil in that. That, and, that don't matter. And right? that's what feeds okay. the, your soil from the bottom up and starts making better right, soil right. because that's all composting in there. And then do add yeah, some compost right at the very beginning. But okay. just, just buy bagged compost. Yeah. I, I really prefer uh, cow or steer manure that's been composted. That's that's my okay. that's yeah. what I like the best. I will throw in some composted chicken manure as well. But I do a lot of steer and, and cow manure for compost. Um, yeah. so you're probably going to end up buying all this stuff in bags, which is fine. Right, yeah. Like I said, I, I mean, I'm going to put all sorts of stuff back there because I've... But the, the other me, thing, you know, the, I go, I, it, instead of, once you calculate this, once you know how many bags you need, you, you might want to look at, instead of driving down to the garden center or Home Depot and loading bags up yourself, they can deliver a pallet of bags. If you need that many bags, right. that's a good way to go. Oh, I got a pickup. I could put I could put two pick two pallets in the back of a pickup. Oh, that'll work too. I got yeah. a heavy duty pickup. Yeah, so cool. All right, I'll let someone get in. Like I said, everybody, listen to the Cardio Miracle, man. Oh, that's the other question. Do you guys still have the small packets of them in the store or not? Because I didn't notice them. I should have asked Angie that, but. Uh, you know what? I'll put you back on hold and you can ask Angie because I don't know. I know we're, I, I, okay. I shouldn't say I know. I don't, I, I think the tubs <laughs> are being replaced by pouches. I think that's a change that's coming. Yeah, okay. But I'll put you back on hold, right. and uh, Angie will let you know on the sticks because I'm just not sure. How, isn't it crazy, Lauren? I, I kind of, you know, my the, my whole thing here is call and ask me anything. That's kind of what I do. I answer questions, <laughs> except when it's about our stuff. I never know the answers. 
Uh, That's difficult to know. You have to know I, exactly where to look. You have to know, I, I, have it all I, ready to go. You know, <laughs> actually, it's on purpose. People always ask me, how do you remember so much stuff? One of the ways I remember the stuff I want to remember is by purposefully not remembering things I don't need that just don't matter. Somebody could say, well, it would matter because you could have answered that quite well. I could just easily put them on hold and somebody else can answer that question. I don't need to take up space in my brain for pricing and, and that kind of stuff. I don't think it adds any value. So I, I purposely no, don't remember ever- things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I need that space. That would be difficult for you to do. Yeah. So <laughs> let's uh, let's go to Michigan. Tim, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, uh, it's Tim. I talked to you a couple days ago and, uh, listen, uh, I want dibs. If, if Rob's going to play the mandolin in the garden and you're going to talk to the plants, I'm painting. All right. I'm awesome. going to paint live. Awesome. You guys, <laughs> hey, and you let's... got the little green plants growing and they're going to think you flipped your lid because they already think you're out of your mind anyhow with your funky house. So imagine your neighbors at this point. Oh yeah. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're going to, we're going to grow this idea because you just gave me a great idea. Sure. We're going to call it a creator's fest or an artist fest. <laughs> we're gonna, anybody Absolutely. who wants to create beautiful stuff, yes. just come and join us in the garden. Absolutely. He's going to kick out the mandolin. I'm going to paint. You're going to be talking to the plants. It's going to look like a shakedown street at a Grateful Dead concert, man. This is going to be awesome. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm going to be out there with, with, Barely any clothes on, bare feet. And a loincloth, I figured, a, a yeah. loincloth, I like that. And we're going to be burning, you know, petroli incense and, you know. It, Absolutely. It, there you go. And, and, I, and I'm going to wear an authentic headdress that a Native American gave me out Love of respect, it. not out of any other reason, you know. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll kick it. We'll, it'll be a hey, great time, especially in Oregon. Hey, where that, yeah. hey, are you familiar with Paul Check? I am not. Paul Check has been on the show a couple times. It's I think it's time to get Paul back. We haven't had him in a long time. Paul's a really interesting guy. He has spent years studying with Native Americans and South American tribes. And, and he's, I don't know if this is the right word or not, but I, I would consider him like a shaman. He, he's Sure. He's, How do you spell his last name? Uh, C-H-E-K, Paul Check. You can look I'm him up. They, he even uh, there's the Czech Institute, big big training pro. Yeah, I mean you wow. can go train with him on this kind of stuff too. Really, really cool. interesting guy. You know he he came on the show and talked. And I do this every morning. Uh, he talks about being outside as the sun is coming up and and looking right at the sun as it's coming up. And it really is an incredible Absolutely. practice. Helps reset your sleep cycle and. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, absolutely. It's really good you just for asked stress. Me about, you know, you just asked me about up north in, in Michigan. Uh, Nikki, my wife, left a couple days before me, so I had four days by myself, and I went on Torch Lake, and I watched that full moon, that strawberry moon oh, come yeah. up. I'll tell you what, if that's not a freaking mental reset, yeah. and that's what I, I, I got to keep you up there and everything like that. If that's not a reset that is better than any alcohol pill or anything man it just puts everything back into perspective it does and there's something about so, being solitude oh it's absolutely so, it's so we're, beautiful so we're gonna plan a creator's fest in the garden and i'm gonna sure. see if we can get paul check to lead us perfect yeah <laughs> let, let me know when and where and I'll, I'll bring my paint and we're ready to rock All so right. the reason i called is 
So since I have been gone for a while, uh, you were mentioning a, a balance board. Uh, what what the what's the brand and what's the core reason? Pardon the pun. Uh, what is the reason for it? And 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 what are the benefits? Because I'm interested in one. Okay, the brand is called a fluid stance. Now there are fluid stance. There are some balance boards that are like, how do I want to describe this? They're, they're almost, they're very challenging. Like trying to balance on some of them is really difficult and, and it's a good thing to do. Sure. One of the biggest um, health risks as people age are falls. They fall, they, they get unsteady on their feet, their balance isn't as good as it used to be. They fall, they break a bone, it's a death sentence. That, that is usually and it's the beginning of the end. It's the beginning of the end. Exactly right. So I don't want to wait until I get to that age and then try to figure out, you know, how not to fall over all the time. So great. Call. Great call. When I started, um, when I first heard about s- sitting being the new smoking that, you know, sitting all day long was so bad for us. It was they were comparing it to smoking. I I immediately thought wait a minute, I sit three hours every day that I don't need to. I could easily stand up and do my show. Why wouldn't I stand up? I will tell you, the first week that I did it, I was in pain. My entire core, from like my armpits down to my hips, that all the way around my body was in pain every day. And I thought, just standing here is making me sore. How weak was I? That I could, I can't stand for three hours without hurting. That's crazy. So that was years ago. I've been standing up and doing my show for years now. And not long after that, I thought, well, if I'm going to stand here, why don't I get a balance board? So I talked about some of them are really tricky. I, I wouldn't try to do one of those. Well, maybe I could move up to one of those now. Maybe I will. So mine is is fairly easy to stand on and balance. And you, you don't really fall off of it. If you, if you lean over to either any side, it'll just kind of rest there. So some of them like, okay. you could fall off of and they're, they're pretty challenging. And like I said, maybe I should move up to one. But this one I can just kind of stand on. It, it's good for balance so that we keep our sense of balance. It's good for all of our core muscles because they're always kind of firing off to keep us balanced and in position. Um, and I think it's good for our brain too. I, I can't prove that, but I think there's something about, you know, having that going on in the background while I'm talking and doing a show. Sure. Yeah, I think there's something to that. So that's why I use oh, a there's balance probably board. a sub, There's probably a, like a sub, uh, subconscious awareness that, you know, something, that's yeah. happening. You're thinking, yeah. So is the brand name Fluid Stance yeah. and are they costly or? Yeah, uh, okay, perfect. I'm on it. I think it was a couple hundred bucks. It's really, it's a beautiful piece of wood and aluminum and it's really well-crafted. It would last three lifetimes. I mean, there's nothing on it that would ever wear out. So yeah, I think this was one of the more pricey, but it's, like I said, it's it's an easy, you're not going to fall off of this thing. Uh, You don't have to work real hard to balance on it. Um, but you'd be surprised you stand on this thing for three hours. The first time I was incredibly sore the next day, (laughs) you know, your neighbor's going to go now, all of a sudden Rob's playing the mandolin on one of these boards. I'm painting. I want to be with a headdress on (laughs) talking to plants. (laughs) We we got our own little burning man going on, man. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for the info. I'll let somebody else get in, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Great talking to you.
Let's uh, let's go to Ohio. Mike, welcome to the program. Well, hello there. Did you like my? Uh, you got time to spare? Go by air thing yesterday. Oh yeah, loved it. On the on the power hour. Yeah, yeah, loved it. Um, hey, uh, he was talking earlier about getting a truck and staying in your truck and making money. And I just real quick, uh, you know, uh, uh, in five years when I first bought my truck. I think, I don't know how many miles I drove. We didn't have, you know, no e-logs back then. So you just went. Yeah. But I, in five years, I put almost a half a million dollars in, in, in my uh, bank account. Uh, we separated from my wife. So all I did was drive, wow. you know, and, and I lived in my truck. Right. And, um, I think, I, I think out of that five years, I maybe had three, three or four hotels and, and I never ate at truck stops. I always stopped at Walmart. And then, of course, I got healthier, you know, when I started listening to your health you and stuff. But, but that's, imagine, I mean, I was probably driving 180,000 miles a year, but imagine just half that, yeah, I, you know, with the e-log thing and what, being legal. What other job or small business could you create that kind of revenue and lower your living expenses to almost zero? I, I can't think of any other jobs. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, I mean, I didn't own anything but a piece of property in a shop, and I, yeah. I just stayed on the road. I mean, the mailman, the post office called me one time and said, "Are, are you still around?" And I said, "Yeah, why?" And he said, "Well, you haven't picked up your you haven't picked up your mail in eight months." Yeah, right. And, right. And so, but um, that's you know just something. Hey, uh, I got a son and his girlfriend who are about as far out liberal, anarchist, atheist type people that you could get and so with all that said they're always doing these psych classes and reading these books and trying to figure you know everything out about humanity and themselves and and especially his girlfriend and and she's always seems like pissed off of the world and i and and i said you know you're reading all this stuff i said and you're trying to fix something that doesn't need to be fixed in yourself I said, you know, just live life, you know? Yeah. But- and and so I, I I don't understand that, but here I am calling you wondering why. Um, we actually made up a plan this year when we come back from Arizona and called the realtor and everything and called an auction place. And we was actually going to move out to Arizona full time and, you know, in the resort we bought a home in was just, it was, it's hard to leave there. Really was super hard to leave and come back. Right. And I was like, ready, set up. Okay, I'm done with working. Plenty of stuff to do. You know, started golfing, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Lot really healthy out there. They got a health spa in the place. It's out of sight, you know. Right. And and I was never bored or anything. So we had this plan. Now we come back home and walk in the house, and you know we're going to sell the motorhome, everything, and live a simple life. I said, well. I even put my truck on the web Facebook FLD website, and I just got inundated with people wanting to buy this truck and trailer. Oh, I'll bet. And and I said, well, uh, I said, well, I got to do some work on it before I can sell it. I can't sell it. I need S cams and bushings and brakes and all kinds of stuff. So I pulled it in the shop and I started working on it. And all of a sudden, there was just something that came about me that was relaxing. And I called up the dispatcher, the company I'm signed on to, and said, give me a load <laughs> after I got the truck fixed. And, and here I am 
just loving the shit out of it. I know. And then know. my wife, you know, she wasn't going to, she raises a pretty good sized garden and, and she wasn't going to put a garden up or nothing, you know, uh, you know, our deep freeze has got three deep freezes yeah, right. full of everything. Right. And, and here she is. I come back off this trip and she says, you know what? Ruder sell up the garden. <laughs> and, and now we're like not selling anything. She doesn't want to get rid of the motorhome. Nothing. What is that? What is it about that that causes a, a guy, I mean, to go from one extreme to the other like that, you know? I, I, I don't understand it. I think that, like so many other things, we've been kind of subconsciously programmed to this dream of retirement. It's everywhere, right. right? I mean, it's all most people talk about. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. going to work for 40 years and then I, I can't wait till the day I retire. I mean, that's what most people go through life thinking. I can't wait till the day I retire. Well, when you've done such an amazing job of building a life, why would you want to retire from that? Yeah. Yeah. You've built an amazing well, life. Been, I you, you really have. Down. You have. You, it, here, here's, you know what I think the biggest advantage you've created for yourself is? And I feel the same way about myself. Yeah. My options on what I want to do every day are almost unlimited. I, I'm at a place right. in life where I could go do whatever the hell I want. I could retire. I, I could go start, you know, a, a 10 Airbnbs and run those. I could go buy a little farm and run that. I, I could just say, well, the hell with that. I'll continue doing my show a couple hours a day. We're going to go travel full time again. I. I could travel, we could travel around the world right. if I wanted, and I could still do the show. I, I that's, right. to me, that's, that, that was actually my goal. You know, I talk a lot about goals and they should be written and they should be specific. I don't really talk a lot about my goals, but my goals changed a long, long time ago. My goals used to be like, you know, get a hundred thousand dollars into my retirement account by this date or get my revenue up to this by this date or get my expenses down to this or get my, they were these hard concrete kind of goals, which is fine. And you should have those. But at some point I realized, yeah, you know what? I don't really need those anymore. Um, I've kind of got most of this figured out. My goal became very simple. It's just what I explained. I want to get to the point financially that I can wake up every morning and do whatever the hell I want with whoever the hell I want for as long as I want, wherever I want to do it. That that's my goal right. in life for, for finances. And, and I'm kind of there right now. And that's a great place to be. Why would I want to retire? What the hell would I do? Right. Yeah. I, I know that when we go out to Arizona, it takes a little while to wind down and figure out that it's okay to sleep in until eight o'clock in the morning, you know, if uh, you don't that's, have anything to do. That's one thing I can't seem to do, I, especially in the summertime. Right. I, I'm loving the fact that I now wake up right around five o'clock, usually hang out in bed till about 530 um, you know, the doors are wide open in the bedroom. We have French doors. We're up on the third floor. So it's just beautiful. The birds start singing and, uh, it's time to get up and I can just right. roll out of bed when I want and go hit the garden. And yeah, it's, um, so maybe, maybe not just, uh, Go ahead. Yeah, let, let, I want to talk about something else. Um, you and I are talking about this and, and 
first off, I feel very, very blessed and fortunate that I am at this place in life. And I, I never forget that. I appreciate it every day uh, and think about it. And, you know, I, I think about the people who I get to interact with on this show and, and at events. And, and I just hate the word followers. I, I don't know. The people who listen, and, and I don't even want to take credit for this, but I'm surrounded by an awful lot of people who have done very similar things. You, Matt, I could go on and on and on. Um, people who have been very, very <clears throat> successful in trucking. My struggle right now is, right now today, um, I'm also, I have a lot of new people on Twitter that don't really have all the right. history and they don't know all of this stuff. And they see me posting or they hear shows like this and they're, they're reaching out to me saying, how do you do that? We're struggling. I'm about to lose my truck. I'm about to go out of business. I, I, what, how do we get there? And, you know, it's not complicated, but it's not easy to just sum up and say, well, you just do this. There's a lot of things you just have to do right over extended periods of time. And I can show you all those things, but I can't show it to you in an hour. So I, I'm struggling right now because I do. I'm surrounded by a lot of people in trucking who have done very, very well for themselves. Um, TJ, who I haven't heard from in years, he came to our CMC twice um, years back. And then I yeah, haven't heard from yeah. him. Now I find out he's got an 80 truck fleet. He runs uh, yeah, wine, wine and spirits. What a great guy. And what a, what an amazing business right. he's built. And, and I'm just, I'm, I'm blessed to be surrounded by a lot of people like this. And then I have to go from that to somebody who's about to lose their truck and might have to file bankruptcy. And, and I know I can help them. I just, I need to get better at it, I think. So here's one thing that, you know, um, I don't know if it helped you or not, but I call into you. You got a, you got something about yourself that attracts people. Um, like I called into you to ask you about some sort of this little psychological thing. Like, why can't I, why can't I retire? <laughs> and I know when I called up, I said, ah, my shit, I ain't going to talk about that stupid as shit. I know what it is. <laughs> and, but yeah, I, I went ahead and, and ask you about it and talk to you about it because you, you have to put out there to the other people. There, there's certain amount of it. You, you, that, that's part of life is helping other people. And just you and I having this conversation, some people will say, oh, I don't, you know, they, they got plenty of money. I don't even want to listen to those guys. But there, there's a certain amount of people out there that listen and go, wow, if, uh, you know, I want to know more about those guys. And, and that's where you come in. So important, so important that you put out there about that, uh, what can be done. And, and, I mean, hell, I'm a follower of you, you know. So you got a, an ability there that you have to just keep going with it. I mean, that's what makes you thrive. I, you so, know, and uh, I, I, I appreciate that. You know, I, I'll go back to that phrase that I stole from Larry Winget. And, uh, you know, I, I really believe this. Discover your uniqueness. And what you were just trying right. to describe, I think, is my uniqueness, whether it's charisma or I, I don't know exactly what it is. Um, but then the next part is the important part. Discover your uniqueness. I think I've done that. My uniqueness is the ability to 
take a lot of really complicated material and, and help people understand it easier. I mean, I, I think that's my kind of my strength and my uniqueness. But the next part is the important part. Exploit that in the service of others. And I think a lot of people forget that or they yeah. think, well, well, I'll do that when I'm successful. No, that's how you become successful. You have to do it when you're not successful. You have to serve others when sometimes it feels like you maybe you aren't ready to yet even. But I really believe that, that the, the key to this is that we serve others. Yes. You know, one of my favorite yes. quotes, uh, one of my absolute favorite quotes uh, from Zig Ziglar really sums this up well, um, because it, I, we do we do have to appeal to people's greed sometimes to get them motivated. And I think this quote maybe does that. If we say, you know, to be successful and happy, discover your uniqueness and exploit it in the service of others. Sometimes that comes across, wait a minute, I'm struggling in life myself. I, I can't be helping anybody else right now. I need to make money and be successful first. So I think this quote uh, really kind of sums up what I do in the show. Uh, Zig Ziglar said, you can have everything in life you want if you will just help other people get what they want. I, I believe that uh, is absolutely, absolutely true. Yeah. yeah, and you have to reinforce that in yourself just about every day. You have to wake up and remind yourself that that's what you need to do, too, because you can fall off the deep end, and so many people don't, don't know how to reinforce themselves. You, you know, know here, to, to tell them that's what you got to do. Here's one of the reasons I think we struggle with this in trucking. And, and I need a better way to get people to understand this, I think. Maybe I just need to talk about it more. I, I make a big deal about why owner operators and small fleets never seem to use the word customer. They act like they don't have a customer. And honestly, if you right. if you are operating a business as though you have no customers, you will never be successful. See, I'm, I have a little bit different of a, an approach. Like when I went in and, and I signed on with a, this, this R&R trucking and, and I was at CRST, their flatbed division before that. And when I signed on with Rex, he just down the road from me. Um, I walked in there and I said, uh, because I already had my customer, the one I haul for. I walked in there and said, can I hire you and your authority to, uh, for my business? Because I don't want to go get my own authority. So yes, most people absolutely. walk in and say, well, you take me on. Right. And he was kind of taken back by that. And the dispatcher actually told him later, we're going to have trouble with that. That might come. <laughs> you know? And, and I said, well, I said, Rex, I already have my customer, which is your right. customer. And here on the computer... Here on the computer, I'll show you. I paid CRST $50,000 last year to use their authority. Right. And their dispatcher and their secretary and stuff like that. So, really, I mean, it's a working relationship, but I have my business and I have my customer. Absolutely. And, and you know, in that aspect, I, I have a little bit different approach about it. I know that your broker is your customer, but I look at it as like when he gives me a load, his customer is my customer, oh, and I'll take I, care of that customer. In turn, I, his customer is taken care of. I so I look more. at the low guy that gives that. So, I look at the guy that I get the load, not, not the guy I get the load from, but the business I get the load from. I look at them as my customer, not, not really the broker, but if I take care of that customer, then the broker's taken care of, which makes them both my customer. This fits right into my philosophy. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's really not any different. It's just a slightly different 
viewpoint of the same concept. So the phrase I always say is the way to be successful and happy in your business is to provide more value to your customer than anybody else can. That should be what you're striving for. Right. Well, the, I, I always try to help people understand who their primary customer is. Let's just start there. You get all that so you can think about this 10 right. different ways. Right. But if somebody doesn't get it, right. I say, look, the customer is always mm-hmm. who pays you. But how right. do you provide value to that customer? Well, one of the ways is you service their customer really well. That's how our business works. Right. They may not be our primary yeah. customer, but if, if our goal is to provide the most value possible to the person paying us or the business, then that means servicing their customer well. That's how we provide value to them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say, but yeah, I, don't, I mean, that's I don't. just kind of the attitude I've always taken it, you know. But it's, uh, you, I mean, I, I can't. I can't thank you enough for, you know, in the trucking business, I knew a lot about business before that, but it's, it was, trucking was a different business and listening to you is phenomenal for me. So, so and I appreciate that. Here's the way and I, the, the way I help thing. Yeah. I, I think that most people, you know, I talk about you and Matt and TJ and Joel, and I could go on and on and on. Uh, I, I don't really take any credit for anybody's success. I fully believe all of those people would have been successful without me. I might have sped it up a little more. Um, I may have helped them be a little more specific on how they wanted to succeed, but I fully believe that people like that would have succeeded anyway. You would have found your way to the same success that you did, may have been a different path, it may have taken a little longer, but I I think people that are going to be successful, um, you know, I could look at my mentors and, and I could say, wow, if I wouldn't have started listening to Anthony Robbins at this point or Larry Winget at this point or Zig Ziglar, I, I, I wouldn't have been where I am either. But I, I think, yeah. why did I seek those people out? I, I Somehow I knew that, you know, I needed that. I needed to learn. Yeah. Well, okay. I didn't have anything else. I just wanted to ask you a psychological question. Why, that, <laughs> why, why the hell I... Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of kind of weird, you know. It is, but it it's kind of obvious too. You've worked hard, you've done yeah. the hard work, you've sacrificed, and you've built a life that is so good. Why would you want to retire from it? Yeah, yeah. I guess it's. I get to thinking about. I don't. I don't. You, you, there's so much more involved in the trucking. So, like, I've I've got to have everything in a trust, or I carry extra insurance, all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, I know because. Yeah. It's risky because when you're on the road out here, it's it's yeah, it's risky. It's risky, and it really is. I worry about that sometimes, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. But but like you said, you, you get insurance, you you figure it out, and you know you do some financial planning and uh, great stuff. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's go to St. Louis. Ray, welcome to the program. Hey, how are you guys doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Great. I am back on. Uh, I kind of fell off the wagon, and I anyway, I'm back. I'm back down. I've lost uh, sixty-three pounds. Wow! And I just last week went to the doc. Went to the doctor and got. Uh, well, I'm. I'm, I'm going to go a lot more. But uh, 
But yeah, just even that is, is good. Uh, I went to the doctor, got my blood work done. She works real well with me. And, and over the past uh, four years, I used the, your, uh, your vitamin DK, uh, the little tiny bottle. Yeah. And I think when I first started checking it, this probably been four years ago. It was probably low 30s, high 20s. And then I got it up into the 50s. And then I got up into the 70s. And I just keep increasing my drops in my uh, NDK coffee in the morning. And okay. uh, I was, um, like I said, she works for me. She knows. Because, uh, uh, for you know, a couple of years ago, she thought, well, you're kind of borderline A1C, uh, uh, you know, this. And I said, well, I'm not taking that crap. So I just changed the way I ate, ate and brought it right back down. She good. Said, That's good. But anyway, I was up, I'm up to like nine drops. I'm not worried about it. I want your opinion, but she's the only thing she freaked out, freaks out on is because I've gotten it up to 134. And oh, I back. would back off. I, I would back off. Yeah. Okay. It, 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 I, I, I did. I, I've been, I, I went back down to four, four drops instead of nine. Four sounds about right for you. Um, Lisa just had some blood work done. We we do five drops a day. Um, I back off in the summertime to three and some days just two because I'm getting so much sun outside <laughs> now. Um, Lisa does five drops a day. She's right at 90, which is a great place to be. I, I think that to me is ideal. Some doctors will even tell you that's a little high. Right. I do not worry about even 100. I don't worry about being too high. I really don't want to exceed 100. Yeah. And if I do a little bit, it's not a big deal, but back off. Right, right. I think it's, um, I think it's kind of like, because I've been reading articles where people are running 150 and not having any problems. I, I know there is toxicity at, at a point, but, but then again, it's like a bee sting. A bee sting will kill some people and yeah, other people exactly. He's done a hundred times. Yeah. It really depends on your body, I think. Yeah. So I, I don't worry about uh, you yeah, at so 130, but there aren't any advantages to being at 130 either. So back off to, you know, four or five drops a day, you'll be fine. Yeah, I think yeah. you'll settle in right around she, 90 or 100. She said, well, you have to stop taking it. And she goes, I know you're not going to. I said, no, I'll back down, but I'm not going to stop. Oh, no, taking. I wouldn't stop. No right. way. If I stop, mine plummets right, right. down to about 30. Exactly. Yeah, that's so. She she knows me. She goes, well, you need to stop that, but I know you're not going to. So I said, well, I'll back down. And she goes, well, all right. <laughs> yeah. No, that'll work just fine. <laughs> okay. Thank you guys very much. And uh, I still got more work to do. So Excellent. Call in and check in us with us once in a while. Let's go to Texas. Paul, welcome. Howdy. Uh, I'm going to give Mike Thompson some words of advice from Bruce. Keep your track. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. So, so when, when I first came over here at the start of 2000, and I did not, it was January the 17th when we came, and 10 days later I was in a truck and away we went. And I did not stay in a motel until the end of August that year. All I did was go trucking, and it was some outlaw, <laughs> serious stuff. There you go. 50,000 miles in eight months. Oh, solo. nice. Nice. You sound like <laughs> so, Matt now. But with the, yeah, with, uh, within 18 months of getting into this country, I had $50,000 in the bank. <laughs> 
because all I was doing was working. I lived in a truck. The guy provided me with a cell phone. So only thing I had to do was uh, money for food and if I wanted to go out drinking and womanizing. So it's easy to get 50 grand in the bank, uh, even, you know, even, under an, even under an e-log. Because you have no expenses, you don't have any rent. Exactly. You don't have utility bills or anything. Exactly. You have I, I know. You could go out and make thirty thousand dollars and survive just fine. You're not going to save much money, but you could still save a little, and and yeah. you wouldn't have to work very hard there. If you understand this business of owning a truck, it is so flexible. There's so much you could do. One of the one of the stories that got me thinking this way, it was when I was first really doing seminars and helping people. And I, it was my first time at the New England truck show, which isn't around anymore. It used to alternate. One year it would yep. be in Baltimore and the next year it would be in Boston. And I hated them both, but I, I would go do a seminar at that show and I was doing the seminar and this really young couple came up to me at the end. They were probably 25 and they had a straight truck and they were leased on to, um, I th at the time it was Roberts Express, which also was bought through the whole FedEx thing and became, no, oh, I don't even remember now. It gets confusing. Uh, yeah. But they were with Roberts, so it was a straight truck. They, they did a nice job of setting it up. I, I believe the trick in that straight truck expediting business to be really flexible. Like they had a lift gate and a reefer and... Uh, on a straight truck, this thing was set up really nice. You could yep. go move a lot of freight with it. So they had already done some things right. They were pretty sharp. They listened to me in the seminar and, and came up to me afterwards and said, we want to pay you to consult with us and we'll pay you whatever you want. Right, that was the way they approached it. And I said, well, great. Yep. Um, you know, write me a check for 10000 and we'll get started. Uh, kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I, I started working with them. They eventually, uh, they would come see me at least once a year in Florida. And here's was the setup. Yeah. Uh, they would stop in and see me. We'd go over their numbers for the year. We'd work on their financial plan. I was doing all of their financial planning and their business. They would then park the truck um, in Florida somewhere and go on a cruise long cruises. That was their, you know, yep. annual thing. They loved doing it. They had plenty of money to do it. They did that for about five years, socked away a ton of money. They had no home. They took killer vacations when they wanted. They traveled all over the country. Do you know what they decided to do after? I, they did this for about five or six years and then sold the truck and got out of it. That was their plan. They had made a bunch of money doing it. Um, I, I wonder how, I never heard from them again. I wonder if I could go look them up. They actually went and became um, a border patrol. That was their dream. That's what they wanted to oh, do okay. after trucking. Both of them went through all the training and, and went moved down to Arizona and they were working border patrol the oh. last time I heard from them. Uh, but that was- I uh, bet they stay busy then. I, I I have a feeling they they're no longer doing that. If I had to guess, I think they probably moved on to something else. Yeah. So, and then your art festival that you're going to have in your garden there, I think you need you need to change the name to the Fokker Festival. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we did have a Fokker Fest once. That was a real thing. We had one at Matt's place. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Um. And you were talking about balance, your balancing board and everything. Well, yeah. when 
I, I, I can stand on one leg, no problem. But balance is important when you're loading cars. Oh, yeah, Standing on a... Oh, yeah, yeah. So, And some of these vehicles, they get wider. You hop out, you don't have a lot no of room. No room, yeah. So, but when I, when, when, I, when I put my socks on in the morning, um, I stand on one foot and I put one sock on and then I step straight into my boot and then I stand on the other leg, grab the other sock and I, step put that on and then step straight into my boot. I talk, I'm glad you brought this up. So just I, 30 seconds. I had 30 the, seconds of standing on one leg is enough to keep your balance because it is like you say, as you get older. Yeah. 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 So I, I actually talked about this a couple of months ago and I was going to mention it today and then I forgot. So I'm glad you brought it back up. I, I told people you should do this every day. You should. Ju- and, and I know it sounds goofy, but it's incredible how much this helps your balance, especially if you're getting older and, and weaker. Two things you should be doing. You should be lifting heavy stuff so that you don't get weak and you should be working on your balance. And one simple way is put your socks on standing up every day. I know it sounds goofy, but it's harder than you think if you've never tried it before. What what, uh, my last DOT physical, maybe it was the one before the, the guy said to me, he says, how's your balance? You stand on one leg. I said, yeah, I do it every day. So I put my socks on. <laughs> what? I said, I stand on one leg, put my sock on. And yeah. Then I stand yeah. on the other leg and put my other sock on. Oh, he said, well, if you can do that, your balance is good. So Exactly. Yeah. And it's a great way to make so, sure it stays good. Yeah. Because when it's too late. It's too late. You know what they right. say when the, ho- when the horse has left the as the gate's open, the horse is left. The horse is already left. It's too late to too shut late, the gate. Too late to shut the gate. Yeah. In <laughs> fact, you're better off leaving yeah. the gate open. He may wander back in. Yeah, well, when when the when the tornado came up past my house, my granddaughter's got two horses that live there. Well, I guess the wind got fairly Even though the tornado did not hit my house, I guess the wind got fairly strong or the horses jumped the fence or something. But my wife got up the next morning and the horses were out on the roadside. <laughs> yeah, because the grass is always green on the other side of the fence. Well, they, they got into the backyard right. and they walked around there. Yep. And then they ended out in the road frontage and uh, she seen them. Well, most of the time she's in a scooter chair because... She does not have good balance and a whole lot of other stuff going on, but that's another story. So she got the feed bucket. Didn't have any feed in it, but she just rattled the. <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Hey, that reminded me, Lauren, I wanted to go back to the stress on the plant thing. So I talked about, you know, mm-hmm. their, their stress response is, is very similar to ours, but different because they can't really fight or flee. Um, the other thing that... I've learned how to use is that concept of you stress that a little bit of targeted stress can make us stronger. So the example for this is that one of my biggest challenges for growing anything where I am, I have a lot of positives. We have, you know, 90 to a hundred days of pure sunshine in the summer. That's awesome. That's great growing conditions. We have fairly mild temperatures, which means I can grow a pretty wide variety of things pretty easily. Um, We have great water here and good air quality. So a lot of advantages. The one big challenge I have in the garden is the wind. We're the, you know, wind sport capital of the world here for a reason. 
We have crazy, strong, steady winds, sometimes all day long. And some days they'll be blowing hard out of the west, and the next day they'll be blowing hard out of the east. That's one of the two, because we're in a gorge. It can't really blow north or south here. Um, it will just destroy the plants. It stresses the hell out of them. One of the things I've learned is even if it doesn't look like a plant needs staking, all of my tomatoes get staked, all of my peppers get staked, my cannabis gets staked, even though it's super sturdy. That constant wind on them, if you don't give them enough support, that's just constant stress. So supporting the plant yeah. really firmly, burying roots deeper. Um, I actually, I talked about this. I, I've learned how to grow my peppers differently by using grow lights and getting my grow lights really down close to the plant where it's almost burning the leaves, where I actually see a little bit of sun damage on the leaves. I know I'm maximizing it. By keeping that light so close, I'm able to grow these short, squatty plants that are really sturdy. Got it. I'm also wondering if I continue to do that and then I collect the seeds from these short, sturdy plants and I replant them, am I going to create a kind of a new hybrid? Oh, uh I think I will. Ugh, I think hurts. after a couple generations <laughs> oh. of this, these plants might naturally grow short and squatty. Yeah. They get yeah, they I get see that happen. they get three times more branches on them, but they're very short and sturdy. But the other thing I have to do, because I've taken these really short, sturdy plants out of the grow house and put them out in mm -hmm. the just in their containers in the garden because you're supposed to acclimate them to the outside. And the first couple of times I did it, I just stuck them out there for the day and forgot about them. And either later that day or the next morning, I look and, and their leaves are almost all gone. The wind just strips the leaves right off the plant. They're nice and wow. sturdy, but the leaves can't mm -hmm. handle the wind. And I thought, well, that sucks. Now what am I going to do? And that doesn't happen if I put a seed in the ground outside and let the plant grow in that wind. So I had to do two things. Yeah. I had to put fans yeah. in the grow house so that the mm -hmm. air is always moving around in there. So they start to acclimate to that. Mm -hmm. And then I have to do just like we do to our bodies. We don't, I, when I tell people to lift heavy things, I don't tell them to lift heavy things for eight hours, do I? I tell them to do it for 10 minutes. Yeah. And when we go out in the sun, we do it for short periods of time in the beginning. That's, that's all I had to do to the plants. I can't put them out there all day in the wind the first day. I put them out for a half hour the first day, and then maybe an hour the second day. And then maybe I do an hour every day for a week or so, and then I bump it up to two. And if I do that, I won't lose a single leaf. Yeah, that's interesting because I have a fig tree indoors, um, not a fruiting fig. I forgot what it's called, but you know what I'm talking about, those huge yeah. leaves. And I forgot that they do recommend that you take this like the, the stem of the tree and shake it around every so often to help ensure that the roots are, you know, it's it kind of simulating wind and it makes right. sure that the roots are growing and right. they're getting really hardy because I looked at it the other day and I'm like, it's getting a little top heavy and I've completely forgotten that I should be shaking it a little bit more it, or, so that the, the actual like trunk grows. The other thing you can do is put an oscillating fan near it. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, just get Maybe it. I'll move my 
Yeah, if you've got an oscillating fan or just go buy a cheap one, put it somewhere near and every time it kind of, you know, set it so it it, it blows away from the plant and then back on the plant and away from the plant, that'll do it. Yeah, that will do it. There you go. Great idea. Yeah, that and that's what I had to do in the grow house. I, I put fans out there and, and just, just let them blow. I mean, any any air movement will simulate that and they'll grow stronger roots and stronger stems. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Let's go to Minnesota. Brandy, welcome to the program. Oh, let me hit the button. There we go. Are you there? Uh, yes, there. I am. Now you are, um, too. Okay. Well, you were talking about your garden and nature, and when I'm home, I get ideas. Um, and I was telling Angie, you know, you're talking about the Blue Jays, so where do you put the, the birdhouses? So I decided... I like to challenge nature. It's like, okay, I'll have, um, how do I get the birds to be where I want them to be? So I'll hang, uh, obviously some of my trees are not probably like the kind of trees you have. So using dog leashes to wrap around a branch and then lower the birdhouse down to the leash and then have it at the right level. That's a great idea. And and it, uh, it, yeah, and then um, some of these other birds that, that like to steal food from the suets and the bird feeders, I, d- I decided to put wind chimes on the end of them. So then they're challenged, well, how bad do you want it? And they are, they do want it. Oh, <laughs> and, I, uh, and then you're talking about with... You know, I well, I just want to... Go I, ahead. I was bragging about the blue jay because I think he kind of lives in my garden and I see him eating seeds every day. Um my cherry tree is blooming for the second time last year. I got cherries for the first time last year. And I remember looking at them one evening thinking they're almost all ripe. I'm going to pick those tomorrow, except I came back tomorrow and they were gone completely just gone. Then I thought the only thing that could have done that is a bird. So this year, as soon as they started to show any red, I put some netting around it. So then I'm out there and I look over and it's my blue jay that's eating all the cherries. And it was even brave enough to land on the netting and it reaches through the netting with its beak and I end up with stems and a seed left on the tree. It eats oh the whole cherry God. on the tree. You could put uh, solar lights and I mean, there's different ways you can distract things. Uh, um, uh, well, I, I, but, um, I'm going to go out today because it, it has, I'm, I still have a lot of cherries on there and I just need to use extenders and get my netting far enough away that they can't reach through the netting. Um, but I also, I, my, right. either one of you two like strawberries. I love oh, yeah. strawberries. Good strawberries that, you, you know what I hate? You get those big, beautiful red strawberries in the grocery store. They look amazing and you bite into them and they're pure white inside and they look like styrofoam and they have no oh. taste, no taste. No they, taste. they look amazing. They really do. They're absolutely beautiful. Way they have that white inside and just no taste. Mine are the opposite. Mine aren't uniform. They're all kinds of weird shapes and sizes. They are so deep red all the way through, and they are some of the best strawberries I've ever eaten. My plants are just loaded with them right now, but I had to put netting on because the birds will are all over those things. They will strip the strawberries in one day if I'm not careful. Wow. I live near a, a nature preserve and uh, groundhogs, uh, squirrels, uh, raccoons, so 
one the first one of the first years when I lived there, raccoons were crawling on the rafters. So adding the wind chimes, they don't no longer do oh, that. Yeah. It's basically challenging nature. Challenging nature. Are you really want? Do you really want this? Yeah. And so uh, it has worked. And then putting some of the solar lights in in the trees and the branches and the plants also uh, does a little bit of distraction as well as it's pretty at nighttime. So, oh yeah. Um, yeah. Just some ideas. I do um, those water cooler uh, jugs. Put them up in the trees, and they make great bird houses and feeders. And looks weird when it's windy, but it works. Yeah, I actually like. I've already got a lot of birds in the garden. I've got the jays. I've got um, robins that love all the worms because I have worms everywhere in my garden. I've got a lot of hummingbirds, but I will not put out bird food. I tried that one year. Oh, first off, I would have gone broke because they ate it so fast uh, and it's fairly expensive. And then I just had way too many birds in my garden. They were starting to do damage. So just there's enough going on out there with, like I said, the the seeds that come out of the bales that I use plenty. And uh, when the sunflowers start blooming, the birds love the sunflower seeds. So I don't add any food because I end up with way too many birds if I do that. Yeah. Have you seen this um, thing about with uh, bees and PTSD that they're actually it's actually a way to um, uh, comfort people with that? No. Something with even blue bees. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that. I saw it in an article, and I thought um, that you're raised well. You were also doing bees. That maybe this could be helpful for people who are veterans and stuff. Is that maybe they should raise bees? Well, so right, I don't know all right, about it, but well, right now the type of bees I have are what are called solitary bees, and you don't really raise them. You don't interact with them. They don't produce honey. They don't live in a hive together. They are solitary bees. They spend their life alone basically until they mate and die. Uh, so mason bees I have in the early spring. Leaf cutter bees I have right now throughout the whole summer. But you don't really interact with them. You just build an environment that's good for them. You, you, you buy the, you know, you can put up the little houses with the little tubes and they, they'll lay their eggs in there. Make sure they have plenty of flowers close by for all the pollen um, and the nectar. And this year I said this is the first year I didn't buy any. Every other year I've brought new bees in in the spring and then in the summer. This year I didn't have to. They're just here now. They just live here. But I do want, I am considering honeybees, um, not for pollination because I have, uh, they will pollinate, but I have the, the leaf cutter bees and everything else I have in the garden are way better pollinators than honeybees are. I want honey. So I'm looking at that. I think right. it comes from either Australia or New Zealand. They have that system for, it's like the little house and they'll build their, you know, combs in there and all that stuff, but it's called flow. And yes. That, cousin has that. Oh, really? How does, do they like it? Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, they do. It has its own little spigot, right? Yeah. Yeah, like when you go to get honey, so you cool. just walk out to the house and you turn the spigot and it fills your bottle. Oh, neat. I know. I so I'm, I'm thinking about getting one of those. I think that's cool. Speaking of, I would do stress, stress Kevin. Um, so I met, there was a driver that I met at the field island, and he asked me, what's, what's all your chimes and stuff? And I mentioned about sort of that stress level kind of thing. 
we ended up agreeing on it that my chimes yeah they're irritating and and um but they're also they build the ability to handle things yeah and uh right. kind of got that idea slightly from you yeah it, it, it's that idea and the other we ones were- expose ourselves to small amounts of stress over time and it can be useful it's it's similar to the idea of eating local raw honey and exposing ourselves to little bits of pollen over time, and it kind of builds an immunity for us. Yeah. It's a hormetic effect. Yes, that's it, hormetic stress. Other than yeah. I, I grow a small flower garden and plant garden here in my truck. Um, that's that's awesome pretty much too. my lifestyle until I get home. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. it I bring... I bring my home with me, and then when I'm home, I get ideas, and then I bring them out here, and they go back and forth. There you go. Good stuff. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Thanks for the call. Uh, Lauren, over the years, I, I, I do not, I've never had what people consider a green thumb. I guess you probably could say I do now, but it, it's not natural. I really yeah, I was had to. Say, it's hard to yeah, I really had to work at it. It didn't come natural. I was really good at killing plants before. Uh, one of the things I've always wanted to grow them, I love them, are bonsais. Absolutely love bonsai trees. So I, I had one, you know, a decade ago and we traveled with it. And, you know, the first time I went to New York City to do the show from the studio in Sirius, we were there in January, I think, and it was like minus 20 degrees. Um, so I was kind of carrying my bonsai tree. I couldn't leave it in the car cause the car was in a parking garage. So I'm carrying this thing around New York city. And I was so obsessed with keeping this thing alive and learning how to trim them. And I went on vacation and I needed somebody to watch it. We couldn't take, I think we were going out of the country, probably Costa Rica. Uh, so I couldn't take it with me. One of my neighbors an Asian family, their uncle was living with them or something. And it turns out that that was his job over in uh, Vietnam. He grew and took care of bonsais. I'm like, well, perfect. And I asked him, will you watch my tree while I'm gone? And he said, yes. And while we were gone, he moved to California and I've never seen my bonsai again. Oh, no. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Before that, I had one that I left with somebody while I was gone and it died while I was gone. Uh, so I haven't had very good luck with them. So just recently on my trip to California, there was a guy on the side of the road selling bonsai trees, a Japanese guy. So I stopped. His trees are beautiful. I bought kind of a medium size and a small one. I, I've almost killed them. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but they, they I missed one. We, I water them every Saturday, and that seems to be a good schedule. I missed one Saturday. I just totally forgot about it. And they, I just can't get them to recover whole underside of the tree turned brown and I I, I, I I don't think I'm gonna kill it these things should be pretty damn sturdy but I can't seem to get it healthy again so I don't know I, I need to probably just go do some reading and figure out what the hell I'm doing <laughs> yeah it's I mean I haven't actually had a bonsai I, I love them I think they're so neat I do too but um yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure how to keep them alive because I've never tried. But it sounds—they sound pretty cool, and they look really neat. I know, and so, I want to get better at growing them, and then I want to create a little bonsai garden with different varieties and species. And you can take almost uh, any tree and make it a bonsai. Yeah, I guess you can, huh? Yeah, they tend to 
no, I just, it's some sort of a evergreen kind of, which is like the classic bonsai and they cut it in almost that raft shape, they call it. That's like the classic, mm-hmm. that's the most common. But you can make bonsais out of any tree and they're incredible. And I, I've seen some that are like 20 years old and they have these big, thick, gnarly trunks, and but they're tiny. I just love those. I think they're so cool. Too. I know. <laughs> like having a tree on your desk. <laughs> exactly. So I just, I got to figure out what I'm doing because I have not had good luck with them so far. Let's uh, let's go to the phones. I know I've seen, uh, Sarah, do you keep dropping out? I saw you on the board earlier and then you were gone. Welcome. Yeah, I lost signal one time and then Duke stepped on my phone and hung up and said, I need to go outside. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think that we should, instead of calling followers, we should be collaborators because we're all working together with ideas to move forward. And that is why I'm calling today. I need help from you and Lisa's researchability and try to find a couple different kinds of filters. I have done some testing and found out that I have an overabundance of estrogen dominance and it's causing some issues. Okay. And uh, aside from, what is it called, environmental toxins that cause uh, hormonal issues and um, mycotoxins and stuff, I'm going to try and say all the names. But two of the things I need to do are figure out air filters. Dave Katz makes a great air filter for the engine so the engine can breathe better. But I bet they have the cheapest, simplest air filter bringing air into our truck from outside because one of the environmental toxins that is, has built up in me um, comes main sources from car exhaust. We need to find, source, or make a better air filter for us to breathe better. So- and then... Let me, let me address that. I think, am I dreaming this or was there a time that fleet air filter was working on cabin filters? I thought maybe they were. I don't know. I'll have to, I'll call David and ask him. I, for some reason, it's in my mind that he started working on cabin filters at some point, but I, I'll, I'll check. My other recommendation might be to get a really good filter to go inside the truck, an electric filter. So what the, sure, the exhaust may still be coming in, but it's immediately going to get filtered. Um, I've got one now that I'm really impressed with, but it would just not be practical in the truck because of its size. Um, I have a really nice filter from Dyson. So... When oh, yeah. when Lisa got, well, I got her the Glowforge, that laser cutter, engraver, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, that. That thing is beautiful. Oh, it is a beautiful machine, and she makes crazy stuff with it. But you would not believe the noxious fumes that come off of that thing because that laser is cutting through press board and acrylic and there's some pretty nasty fumes. And, you know, I wanted to protect her from that because she's around it all the time. So I did the research and I, I settled on this Dyson filter, but it's about four feet tall. I mean, it's a, it's a really tall filter, but it, the, between the software and the filtering on this, it's incredible. It tells you what's in the air and, you know, what parts per million. And then you see it come down as the filter starts working. And I, I'm really impressed with it, but it just wouldn't be practical in the truck. Yeah, I, can, I have, I have one ceiling well. above the driver. 
Oh, that's an interesting well, thought. Yeah, or maybe, I don't know if Dyson makes a smaller one. I don't remember when I went to buy this one, but I'm sure. They do, they could... make them of all sizes. Oh, do they? Okay. They do. Yeah. But there are better filters than, than, the, than the Dyson. There, there the could air, be. The, the, top two, the top two that all the, you know, the functional doctors recommend and all the biohackers recommend are going to be Air Doctor is one. That's the one that I ended up buying this year during allergy season. And they come in all different sizes. I have, I think, okay. the second largest one. And then the other one is called, I think it's called Austin Air. Let me look real quick. Austin Air. Because there's this, there's there's a huge bit of space above us that's not being used. We could mount something, you know, that's securely good, so it's not going to fall down on these bumps. No, but that's a good idea. We could mount something above our heads to, yeah, that's a good idea. Use that airspace yeah. up there. Yeah, I mean, um, I would recommend, I'd recommend one of those two. So what was the second they're one? They're not small enough. The second one is the called other thing, Austin Air. O-F-T-E-N? Austin, like Austin, Texas. A-U-S-T-I-N. Oh, oh, got it. Okay. Austin. And then there's, if those are not small enough, I think Molecule makes, they should make a small enough one. That's another pretty popular one, but similar <clears throat> similar to the Dyson, it's it's very aesthetically pleasing. Um, so mm -hmm. it just depends on what you're really looking for. But like the Air Doctor oh. isn't the most beautiful thing. It's not like my Dyson. I keep a Dyson in my bedroom, but the Air Doctor, you know, does my entire downstairs. And just like Kevin said, it you have it on auto and when it starts to sense things in the air, then it kicks on to yeah. like a different speed to help yeah. filter it out quicker. Mm -hmm. And it's really nice. We need to Are make they... sure we're filtering out mycotoxins, car exhaust, any kinds of things that is, we are breathing. I mean, especially people drive up and down the five in California where all those pesticides are. We need to be filtering these mm -hmm. things out of our breathing air. So we don't aren't getting um, you know. clogged up with that stuff too. Now, the I, other filter I need to figure out is water. We I, bring water into our truck in plastic, and um, I just I I have a big problem right now I, with again the I'm, effects of the phthalates built up. I'm not sure. I'd have to go look to see what models they have, but hands down, I think in the functional world, Berkey is the filter. Yeah, it's the. Um, the easiest kind of Armageddon style filter that doesn't take much but gravity. That's what I use in my house currently. A Berkey. Again, it's a space that you're yeah. trying to figure out how. I've been using them for like 15 truck. years. Yeah, it that that is really um, that that's the one almost everybody um, goes to. Um, I don't know. We have such clean water here and air. W one of the reasons I live here is after traveling around the country and checking a lot of things. One, it's beautiful and I love it here, but we have incredibly clean air and water here. And with the, the wind is a really nice thing because if we get contaminants, it usually gets blown away anyway. And we just don't have a lot of industry here. Uh, so it, it's pretty clean. Um, so I haven't invested in like a Berkey water filter. I really don't filter, our, I filter it some but just pretty minor because it's so clean anyway. Um, the Berkey, it looks like their smallest is a gallon and a half. Okay. Oh, when I clicked yeah, on it, it says, says currently unavailable. Yeah, they 
they're so popular, but there are so many different companies that like different businesses that sell them. So you can typically find them fairly easily. Right. Yeah. So that, you know, I, I think a gallon and a half inside a truck, I think you could make that work. Okay, I will work on that and report back with what we find and what we can figure out. And, you know, maybe maybe mounting things, if the, if the Birkin's even gravity, maybe the space above the passenger gets something mounted there because we don't have a passenger seat there to hit your head on. We that, took that out and it's a, it's a dog lounge, so we could put it above them maybe. You put it above that, you'd walk over, hit the tap and fill up your glass or your container. That'd be a great place. Yeah, so I will look into that, and while I'm working on trying to keep new toxins out, I'm also working to bind them so the toxins I have stored out. You you may you may want to do a consult with Doctor Wilson. He he probably focuses okay. on this area more than any other practitioner I know. I know we talk about him as a cardiologist, but he is big, big, big on testing for mycotoxins and and clean water and clean air and environmental toxins and defending against them. I mean, that's a, that's a big part of his practice. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All I right. will look, listen for anybody else's input from the other collaborators and let you know what I come up with when I get something put together. Excellent. Have a great day. All right. You too. Um, Lauren, I didn't know that you were our resident air and water cleanliness expert. That was great information. Well, I mean, I've been trying my best to keep, you know, the air quality good in our house because during allergy season, it's hard for me, you know, to, to kind of deal with all of all of the symptoms. And so this year, um, I've had the the Dyson, which I love as well. Don't get me wrong. Um, I keep that in my bedroom. I've had that for probably four years, five years now. And then with the air doctor, I am so impressed. Yeah. I, I <laughs> and was, the filter on it. I'm looking at the air doctors. <laughs> so I'm pretty wonderful. impressed with those too. Yeah. That, that looks like a really good option. Yeah. Now, the other thing we did, we, we just recently finished a, a new craft room for Lisa. She was kind of down in the basement and um shouldn't have any windows down there and i you know she's usually crafting i'm out in the garden and you couldn't be farther away so now her craft room is right back by the garden and she's got big sliding glass doors and skylights and all kinds of natural light in there um and when we put the laser machine in there um i went and got a really strong uh exhaust fan that's actually it's so big the exhaust fan is mounted outside and then we've got the laser machine right on the other side of the wall from the filter inside, and it's all plumbed, big four inch. Uh, so I've got it sucking all the air out of that machine. So you don't get nearly as much in the room. Yeah, now we can tell the filter hardly ever comes on. Yeah, wow, that's great. You know, it's, it really makes all the difference when you can see the difference, you can, you know, smell the difference right. you can feel the difference it it really really does it sounds like you've taken all the you know the necessary precautions to not be sitting there and breathing it all in so yeah you know before well we you'd walk into the room and the filter would be on and it would be running full blast and you could see the all the contaminants on the the screen and but we knew at least it's cleaning it up it's better than sitting there with nothing 
Um, but but you could yeah. smell it in the room. Now it's pretty incredible. I, I this is a like I said, we had to mount it outside. It's so big. It's a big exhaust fan. It pulls a lot of air out of there. You don't smell it. You don't see it on the filter much anymore. So, yeah, it, those things I, I think are important. And and you know I know that I, uh, maybe a lot of people haven't gotten to that point yet. But we are working hard to clean up our environment around us, the home, air, water. Um, just I I just think that. You know, once you get diet down, there there's so many other things we can keep doing to be healthier. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's typically Speak. what you have to do next is you get the diet down and then you have to figure out what other potential environmental toxins can be affecting your health. All of our personal care products, we're, we're, we're redoing everything. Now, I, I don't use much. <laughs> I use very, very natural, usually goat's milk soap, and that's it. I mean, as far as a shower routine, that's it. It's just soap. I don't use moisturizers or conditioners. Obviously, I don't need shampoo. But it just, just and deodorant, I know this freaks people out. If I'm going to be home working in the garden, why the hell would I put deodorant on? Seriously. And, and, and honestly... <laughs> The longer I go without putting it on, the less offensive your body odor becomes. Seriously, I, I'm not to the point where I can go without it completely now and not smell. But on, if I'm going to be in the garden, I'm going to be working all day anyway. Why would I put deodorant on? If I'm going to, it's the really, really natural stuff uh, that we've got in the store now. So very, very few products of any kind go on my body, my skin, my hair, my eyes. I don't use anything like that. And I just keep all of that stuff down to a minimum. The one thing I am, since we're talking about this topic, absolutely blown away with. I just talked about the silver. That's a new product for us. The dental care products, unbelievable mm -hmm. the results. I, I am shocked in how much better my oral health is now just in the short time using these products. That's Great and I was using pretty natural stuff before. I wasn't using Crest and, you know, the, the mouthwashes and all that. I was using pretty natural stuff. I don't know mm -hmm. what she did or how she got this so right, but the, the results from these products are incredible. And the feedback we're getting almost across the board has been that way. It's so great. Yeah, I love the products as well. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, we have a very hard time keeping them in stock. Let's uh, let's grab another. <laughs> let's grab another call. This is the last call on the board, so um, we're going to wrap this up when we run out of calls today. Um, Lauren, are you joining me on Spaces today? Yes, oh, I good. would love to join you on good. Spaces. Good, eleven thirty. So um, that's scheduled. So I'll either have a break or we'll keep taking calls or whatever. But uh, we will go live on Spaces. At 11.30, we'll, you know, I'm going to continue the theme of just kind of talking about medical myths. Uh, we did fat two weeks ago. We did cholesterol. I don't get very deep into it because as soon as somebody else wants to speak, we just start bringing speakers in and it just goes wherever it's going to go. Uh, but I'll probably continue today. Maybe I'll talk about salt. What other good myths are there? Oh, goodness. 
I know there's a bunch if I start thinking about it. Maybe I'll do salt. But like I say, as soon as somebody jumps in and wants to talk, then it just kind of becomes a health free for all. The interesting mm-hmm. thing is we have a lot of new people. That's the big difference on, on Twitter. We have a lot of people who haven't heard this stuff. You know, sometimes our, our tribe is so well-versed and knowledgeable on this stuff. Sometimes I feel like, gee, should I really keep repeating this? They know all this stuff. <laughs> I know. So with new people, I know we just we and and it is the repetition that helps people. So um, looking forward to that today. Let's grab this call. Let's go to Illinois. Jeremy, welcome to the program. Hi guys. Uh, I was uh, well now now great when Tammy hears Sarah mentioning uh, going up to five and those potential uh, chemicals or those you know toxins in the filter thing. She's going to be looking all into it. So but. I was just calling about quick, maybe a quick fix for Sarah. She said she leaves plastic. Um, I mean, we have a Berkey at home, but we don't, we thought about maybe bringing it, but you know, you have to wait for the water to fill up and then, I mean, come down through the filter, you know, and, but. Oh, if you put four filters, you are golden. It comes right through. Okay. Yeah. So she might probably go that way, but a quick fix might be, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about the, the, the filters, like at Whole Foods or Walmart, you know, the, uh, where you fill up your own water. It's got like, they claim that they got seven ways they so, filter it with ultraviolet and the, the car, uh, charcoal and all that. Yeah. No, th- that, you know, comes that, out the spout. That is clean water when it comes out. It really is. It's okay. been filtered for all kinds of all stuff. Right. It, it, it's much, much cleaner than you're getting out of your tap in most places. I, You know, unfortunately, we do have to filter most of our water today. I love the fact that I live in a place that I don't really have to filter the water. It just starts off that clean. And honestly, um, what I really like is, and, and we still have plans to maybe move over to our property in Washington at some point, um, the property we have in Washington, um, I've got a mountain spring. Nice. Yeah. So great. Yeah. That's, wow. that's what I could. Now you've got all the natural minerals and the structure of the water. And I, I think that's ideal next to that. And that's next to that. Then we want, yeah. you know, the best filters we can get. Okay, so as far as the container, uh, you know, we carry the glass. They're, they're two gallons, and it's those ones you usually see that come out in the spring, that, and they sell them, like, for iced tea making, oh, you yeah. know, with the spout at the bottom. Yeah. And so maybe she could grab one of those, and, you know, as, for, as far as a quick fix, and uh, we carry, like, seven gallons, and, we, you know, we just, it gets us down the road, you know, a few days down the road, you know, maybe, well, maybe a week even sometimes, but oh, yeah. fill up as we go. But we got, we have space for it. I don't know if they have some space, but uh, in the kickbox and various places we, we put our water throughout the right. truck. Right. But uh, the one we have, you can get to is right there. But yeah, so I don't know. I just thought maybe that'd be a option. That she no, that's a great idea. Hadn't thought of. Yeah, that's a great idea. Hey, uh, Kevin, real quick. I just thought of it. When you kite, or I mean, when you, is it? Wing foil. Wing foil yeah, wing foil, when you foil. Wing. wing. Yeah, the wing foil. Yeah. Now, do you, the wind, you know, you say when the wind's good, it, you know, obviously it just blows one direction. Do you have to have someone pick you up down the road, you know, because you're going you know, I know this so far? Because you can't really turn around, can you? Well, the, I know this is hard to get your head around. I've never been able to. How do you think sailboats work? They can't just go in one direction. 
People sail all the way around yeah. the world. We've been doing it for centuries. You wouldn't be able to do that if, if you could only go in the direction the wind blows. Between the sail and what's called the keel on a sailboat, or be the, sail, the wing and the foil on my board, you can make the wind. You can actually go in the opposite direction the wind is blowing. You have to learn how. Whoa. You have to tack back and forth is what they call it. Tacking. It, but you can, uh. the wind is blowing in one direction, but because of that foil or the keel under the water, you can use the wind yeah. to take you in a, a direction that the wind isn't blowing. And that's really the trick to learning how to sail or wing foil really well is learning how to now so we have another big issue on the we're on a river not a lake or an ocean i have a very very strong current also so the 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 days where the beginners stay home and the experts go out and they're frustrated but they go out anyway if we have an east wind an east wind means it's coming from the east and blowing towards the west well that's the way the okay. river that's the way the river goes so now if you have the yeah. river going that way and the wind going that way believe it or not you can still go upstream it's just really difficult and you have to be really good at it so i i will not go out now i tried it one time never again until i get better i i will only go out when we have west winds and those are our best days anyway but the real hardcore people they'll go out on an east wind day and and you know they're you got to be good enough to do it though or if i tried to go out on a day with an east wind i would have to call lisa to come pick me up in portland in about two hours uh, uh, okay yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I would only, okay, I, when, when there's an east wind, I can only go in one direction and it's west. Okay, because we deliver a lot in San, San Francisco, it's in the bays, a lot of bays there. And uh, I saw a guy and he was cruising, you know, but so, in one direction. So it, I was thinking. Well, here's what you don't man. do. Here, here's what you don't do. Um, there's really only, well, one time a year, I guess we do it here. It starts right in front of my house. What you don't do is when we have an, a west wind, which is coming out of the west blowing east, the opposite of the river, that's our best days. You, you don't just put your kite yeah. out there and head you know, down the river. You don't do that. You, you tack oh, okay. from shore to shore. I mean, where I am, it's probably a quarter of a mile across the river. So I would start on my bank and I, I just work my way over to the other bank and then back to the side. So you just go back and forth across the river. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, once a year, yeah. we actually have a race and it starts here where I live in Cascade Locks. It starts right in front of my window here and it goes all the way to Hood River, which is 20 miles east from here. Now, that's a time where you just put your wow. kite into the wind and you just go straight down or up the river and you try to get there as fast as you can. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, I might, I don't know, I might give it a try one time. I, but, I'm, uh, I, I'm looking uh, forward to it. I, the I, opportunity. I, I may even attempt the race this year. If we have a really good, strong, you know, west wind day, I, I, I'm hoping I'm, you know, get some skills before then. I may try it this year. The other thing I'm looking forward to is when we travel, um, I, I want to, do it out on the ocean. 
I'd like to do it in you know several places. If we get to Florida in the fall, maybe I'll do it there. Mm-hmm. You know, California. I can go to the ocean here and do it. Um, it's very different than doing it here in the gorge. It's actually a lot easier. Yeah, I, you know, I used to surf, but, uh, uh, you know, it takes, I used to go out every day when I was a kid. So I just, I wonder if that, if it helps you, uh, kind of stay, kind of keep you surfing, maybe, maybe it helps your balance or something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, any any sport yeah. like this is good for your strength, your balance, your flexibility, your agility, everything. Um, it, have Do you, you feel like you're surfing a little? I've never or, or surfed. Or more like just boating? Or, I've never surfed. Oh, okay. okay. So I've, I've, like, do you turn with your ankles or, or your feet? You know, do you... Well, here's the crazy thing for me. You, this would be much more natural for somebody who, who surfed Whereas I grew up water skiing and wakeboarding and in water skiing and wakeboarding, the big, big difference for me was I had big, secure boots. I mean, my boots on my slalom skis went halfway up my calf and you were so you put that ski on. It wasn't coming off. You were secure in that thing. This is so bizarre to me because there's no boots at all. I'm just standing barefoot on top of this board. Yeah. That's weird for me, but you have to be able to do that because you have to be able to shift your feet. If I'm heading across the river north, I'm going to have my right foot to the back. And then when I turn, I've got to switch my feet on the board. So you can't really have boots. Yeah. So you're moving around on the board all the time when you do this. You should, if you haven't done this yet, go on YouTube and look up wing foiling and wing surfing. Lauren, have you watched any of these videos yet of, of the way people surf now? Yes. Well, I haven't seen videos, but I've seen them out in the water. Isn't it crazy? Doesn't that look like a lot of fun? <laughs> pretty, yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, you don't have to paddle <laughs> so we, out. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you the just. I was in Mavericks. Uh, you know that big wave. But, yeah. Oh, in yeah. Florida. Mavericks. They're doing it. I'm, yeah, I was at I'm Mavericks. Florida, you know, yeah. uh, and uh, it wasn't one of those days where everyone was out surfing because it was it wasn't breaking, and mm-hmm. usually it doesn't break, right? But uh, they were out there wing foiling or wing surfing. It's awesome. And yeah, it's so yeah. damn cool. You don't have to paddle out. You go wherever you want. And then when you do want to surf, surf, you just let the wing feather out behind you. You just grab it with one hand by that front and just let it feather out behind you. And it doesn't do anything then. And you're surfing. And then when you come close to shore, you just pull your wing back up and head back out again. Are people doing that in Florida, Lauren? Yeah, people are doing it in Florida on days when it's flat and the wind is up. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Choppy. Yeah. There's no swell, and yeah, there's, there's and you guys can do, out there doing it all. Yeah, with, you know, if I would have yeah. known surfing was going to come up in the conversation, I would have asked when um, Sarah was on. Vic uh, was a professional surfer. I, I, the, wow. know, I wonder if he's watched any of this with the foil and the wings and what he thinks about it. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, wonder why he or does he ever go out anymore? I, I, I wonder. I would think that he does. <laughs> I don't know for sure. But I would think yeah, that, I know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was a was professional so. for All years, right. had a sponsors and everything. Wow. Man. That's pretty good. Yeah, great stuff. All right. Let's um, grab another call. Brandy, it's round two. Go ahead. 
Yes, it is. You inspire me to, uh, with, with, <laughs> with your conversation. Good. Uh, one of the things about the show is with, uh, as the repetition is, um, that when you listen to somebody like Megan Kelly or Mike Rowe and they'll have some of their, their health experts on, you find that when you've been listening to this show and the testimonies that you say, you cringe by their advice that you get. This show has the potential to reach massive. I mean, from Glenn Beck to Megan Kelly to Mike Rowe, these are major people. And they have major influence. And if only they could be reached, because the, the advice they're getting is absolutely, it's cringeworthy. I know. And it's like, I know. how it's, is that possible? It's awful. I know. And there, and there's so many, so many good podcasts out there with people that have no medical background, no train, not even the kind of like nutritional training I've had, just people who started eating keto or carnivore and got into it and started talking about it. And they're giving out really good advice. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating to have this knowledge, but you can't share it with some of the big people. I know. And then you could really spread, but I, I understand that you want to keep it small, kind of. I, I do. I, I don't, I, you know, I'm torn. I want to help more people, but I know what happens when my business starts getting too big. I won't like it anymore. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, I regularly listen to podcasters, and when I hear stuff like that, it's like, oh, my gosh. I know. Wow. <laughs> well, anyway. And, and also, the, the couple attempts in trucking to help drivers get healthier, most of their advice is pretty cringeworthy as well. But the, te your t the testimonies of the drivers that you've helped should be enough to say, we have something that you could definitely use and definitely make your life much better. I agree. I agree. It's just yeah. It, it, <laughs> How to reach it though? But okay. Yeah, we, we gotta sell it. I mean, that's the thing. We gotta sell it, uh, and it's not easy because we've been brainwashed for at least five decades. So that, that's kind of why when I have a, a lot of new people listening, like I'm doing on Twitter Spaces every week, I go back to the myths. We need to, to let people know that everything they think they know about health is wrong. Lauren, are you there? Yeah. Uh, everything and got I, really quiet. Oh. I thought I lost everything. Yeah, that's that's our biggest <laughs> challenge is, is overcoming all that incorrect programming around health. A hundred percent. That is the biggest issue. <laughs> and there's been so much advice given that doesn't work. That people start looking at health advice and going, I, I've tried 10 things and none of them worked. Why would I try 11? I agree. It's challenging. All right. And you can't blame them. <laughs> no, you, you can't. And that's why I don't sit back and say, oh, what a bunch of assholes. Why don't they listen to me? That wouldn't be productive. Mm -hmm. I sit back and say, how can I say this in a way so that they will listen to me? It's not their fault. It's mine. It. it I need to be able to figure out how to help them. They're not going mm -hmm. to find this information on their own. That's not very likely. So I have the information and the knowledge, but I just have to get better at selling it to people so they believe it and try it. So once they try it, if they do it and they, they do it even sort of right, then they'll get results.
And and once somebody tries it and gets results, now if you don't do it, it is on you. It's not on me anymore. You tried it. You saw the results. If you decide not to do this, that's on you. Mm. That's true. But I understand why people don't even want to try. Yeah. All right. We are going to wrap this up and uh, we're going to go take a break. I'm actually going to go play in the garden a little bit because it's a beautiful day and I have a lot to do. And uh, you know what? I'm looking outside. It's not very windy. I might do my show from the garden. Oh, that would be nice. I wonder if I could. I'll give it a try. I'll go out and play around. Maybe I'll have to go inside the trailer if there's any wind. Uh, but I may do that. It may be a nice, nice break. All right. Uh, Lauren, anything you want to close with? No, I'm excited. Um, you know, I know I said it, but the Twitter, the Twitter space has been pretty cool. Is that what it's called? It's space? Space, yeah. Space. The Twitter space is pretty neat. Um, and I also was thinking if it gets a little quiet in there, then I'd love to talk about some sun tips. Oh, um, yes. You know, we mentioned it last week, but I have some really good ones. Good. So maybe if it gets a little quiet in there, we can uh, talk about that since we are in the season right now. Yeah, we are. Good point. All right. Great stuff. Um Let's wrap this up. We'll take a break and we will come back in just a little over an hour, 1130 Pacific time. We'll be live on Twitter spaces. So we are getting mixed feedback. I might as well cover this now about the spaces broadcast through our app. I'm trying to get people to be more specific. There was a, a Facebook post that got started and a lot of different comments. And some people are saying, oh, my God, the audio in spaces is awful. Well, something's wrong then. I need some clarity here because if you are in Twitter itself, the reason, one of the reasons we do it is because the audio is so much better with multiple speakers. I'm not constantly trying to adjust everybody's volume. The system seems to do it themselves. Have you, you've been on spaces. Don't you think the audio is really good? I, my audio sounds worse, I, and I get that because I'm on a phone, not on my, you know, high-end expensive mic and soundboard like I am right now. I'm trying to figure out, you know, a better mic, but now my phone's giving me problems, so I think Aaron's ordering me a new phone. So I sound worse. I get that. that I should sound worse because I'm going from a high-end audio setup to a mic or a phone, but I think the callers and the guest audio is much more consistent on Spaces. Yeah, I mean, I think it sounds, I don't find any issues with the sound, but I agree that if there are complaints about it, then we need more specifics to kind of narrow it down to figure out why that would be. Yeah, so it seems like the people are listening on our app, which is what we want them to do. But if that's where the mm -hmm. audio issues are coming in, I need to know that specifically. If somebody's listening on the Twitter app and they're having audio issues, there's nothing I can do about that. Absolutely nothing. If it's on our app, then we can maybe do something. Here's the other challenge, though. And this is pretty unique to us. Most people listening to podcasts are usually sitting in a quiet room somewhere. <laughs> or they might be in a car, but today's cars are so quiet and the audio systems are so high quality. Now, in a truck... A lot of the trucks aren't quiet at all. They're really noisy inside the cab and the audio systems aren't that great. And if you're trying to listen to just the little speaker on your iPhone or your Android, 
you're probably going to have some challenges, and I don't know that I can fix that. Um, so that's one of the things I always have to wonder is if 90% of the people are saying the audio is just fine and 10% are saying it's awful and they have to keep changing the volume. I, I have to wonder how much of that is their audio setup. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Ideally, I'm not a big fan of this, but ideally, if you're having audio issues, probably some sort of a headset or, or earbuds or something in the truck, not something that would block out all the sound around you. But, you know, that may help. Again, if somebody's trying to listen on a lousy speaker in a noisy truck, you're going to have some challenges. Mm-hmm. But we'll keep working on it on our end. We're constantly, like I said, I... I I just got stuck because I found out one of my big problems was my phone had an intermittent issue, but I didn't know it was having an issue. I just thought I was doing, you know, this doesn't work or that might won't work with this phone or, but it, I kept thinking, wait a minute, I thought I had this one working last week. And it turns out I did. I just had some sort of weird intermittent problem. And the only way I found it is it became permanent. Now my phone will not accept an external mic at all. Won't, won't, won't accept it Bluetooth, won't accept it, you know, on the lightning cable. So I think I'm going to, I think I've got a new phone coming so I can get back to testing that stuff. All right, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to take a break. We'll see you in about an hour. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.